All right, creatures of the night, welcome to episode 62 of Talking Taker, our encyclopedic exploration, digging up the career of the greatest professional wrestling character of all time. My name is Alex Dorio. I am one of your co-hosts, and I am joined, as always, for this very special episode by my wrestling buddy, by my tag team partner, by my fellow creature, Mr. Travis White. And Travis, are you ready after 62 episodes now to finally let the dead man rest in peace? Man, ready or not, here it comes anyway, you know? So, um, yeah, I can't believe it's been 62 episodes we've been doing this, and now he's finally going to go to put the old dead man out to pasture you know take a dirt and, uh, take a, <laughs> take a dirt now well hey we're gonna cover some stuff here and we'll, i almost just dropped the line here the rock says but i'll say that for a little bit later on so um yeah yeah we're gonna let them take a dirt nap but um anyway yeah man i can't believe it's taking this long to get through this but with some good stuff some bad the ugly we're gonna talk about how his 1999 finishes up here before he disappears into the old well i guess the old Special 81 or whatever that place is called. <laughs> the local 81. <laughs> local 81. Yeah. And then got his change, of, his change of character. So, yeah, man, I'm excited to get into this and kind of cover up some loose ends we never got into and then uh, give a little top 10 and cover a special Coliseum video here. Well, you just teased it out all right there, my friend. A uh, little bit of a different format for this week's episode. Oh, my bad. <laughs> no, that's good. <laughs> <laughs> Who doesn't love a good teaser? <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, yeah, so this week, we obviously, we don't have a pay-per-view match to get to. Last week, we covered The Undertaker's final pay-per-view match for 1999, so we wrapped up that year. So this week, uh, we wanted to still kind of, we're kinda in this in-between stage, because that isn't the last we see of The Undertaker for this run. He's still on TV all the way up until the next pay-per-view, up until that go-home show. And a lot of right. lot of eventful stuff happens in those few weeks right there. But since we don't have a pay-per-view match to cover, we decided we're going to dig back into the archives. We're going to go way, way back uh, to the earlier years, some of the, the glory days, the really fun days at the beginning of his career and explore one of his other Coliseum videos, uh, much like we did a few months ago with the He Buries Them Alive video. We're going to take a look at the Face of Fear Coliseum video from 1994, which has four rare matches that we've never seen before and a couple of, couple of ones we've actually covered on this show, but just a lot of fun uh, throwback content on there. We thought it'd be uh, just something... Uh, little celebratory here to wrap up this run before we move into the next evolution of his character. And then, after all that, we are going to also... Travis and I have kept this from each other. We don't know what's yep. on the other person's <laughs> list. But we both compiled our top ten Undertaker matches. Pay-per-view Pay matches. matches. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, of this run. Of his first nine years from Survivor Series 1990 up to SummerSlam... 1999 so we're going to share those with each other we're going to share those with you and yeah just kind of put a bow on things for this run don't know how long it's going to take this is a no time limit uh encounter right here <laughs> false count anywhere <laughs> absolutely uh, time limit draw could be long could be short but we just want to we're going to get everything in we're going to celebrate this uh incredible performer that i know you and i have come to appreciate and love 
even way, way more than when we first started this journey oh, yes. uh, back in August of 2017. We've come a long way. We've still got a long way to go, uh, but we're going to try to, like I said, yeah. put, a, put a bow on this initial run. I couldn't say it better myself, man. So why don't we, um, let's just, I guess, let's move on into 1999, I guess, you know. So we, we left off last week with him um, winning the tag team titles. No, yes, winning the tag team titles, right, from Xbox and Kane at SummerSlam 1999. Fantastic match. Can't put it over enough. Hope you guys checked that one out. It was so good. What a fun little sprint. So getting into the next night, again, Raw 326. This is uh, August 23rd, 99. And um, basically, Kane and X-Pac come out for commentary during Taker and Big Show defending the tag titles against the Acolytes. Because remember, they were involved in all this too. And um, and a nice little – this is a little nuance I love, man. When they're walking out, um, Big Show has his title over his shoulder, and Taker rips it off and hands it to Paul Bear. So it's just just (laughs) like, don't you know he's the Paul Bear? Like He carries our stuff, you know? So it is great, man. I love it. So. That's why he carries the stuff. That you just yes. you just connected those dots for <laughs> me, man. After sixty-two episodes, <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> you just got it. There you go. I mean, I got the pun, but I never realized yeah, oh, no, that's yeah. why. Why he carries everything? Wow! Yes, it just came to me, man. Wow! In a moment of jubilation, I right should now. probably retire. Yeah. I, I probably shouldn't All be right. hosting this anymore. All right, I'm gonna head well, out. That's it, guys. All right. See ya. <laughs> Um, yeah, man, I just put that together myself as well. So how, what do you know? <laughs> it only took us 62 episodes and I, I, to get there. So, uh, it's late. It's all right. Our brains usually don't work this late when we're recording. That's this, true. So it's okay. Um, That's true. You know what else, uh, you know what worked for me though, was a uh, cane doing commentary. For this <laughs> <match>. <laughs> With a headset on. With a headset on. He never says a word, but, uh, <laughs> at least he puts the headset on. It's the little things, man. The it nuances is, is awesome. I love yes. it. <laughs> uh, it really the the match itself breaks into just a, a big all out brawl between everybody. Um, uh, Undertaker and Big Show just head into the ring, interfere. Cho, show choke slams X Pac. A Taker levels X Pac with a steel chair to the head. The acolytes join in on the beatdown. And just be- breaks into a big old schmoz uh, as we yeah. it's it's kind of teasing another match uh, that's going to happen on later in the show as well. Yeah, so like you said, it's kind of a schmoz finish, and then you see them walking out, Taker show, and Taker's kind of reprimanding Big Show on stage, and Kane standing over X Pac in the ring, and then so later on, that's going to lead to um, Kane and X Pac versus old good old Vidian, as I called him last week. We got <laughs> Viscera and Midian, who will now be known as Vidian from this point forth. So jump on the video train, ladies and gentlemen, because that's what we're going to be calling them. So, um, and dude, something happens with, with them later on that I did not even remember. So I can't wait to get to that. So, so of course, in a in a I guess um, twist of fate here, or, or a uh, what do you call it when somebody switches roles? Anyway, a, anyway, whatever. I can't think of the poetic cool thing I'm trying to say, but whatever I can't happens, think of it. reversal of fortunes. There you go. <laughs> Let's we'll edit that right. back in. Yeah, <laughs> reversal of fortune. Who knows? Um, Wheel of Fortune. The show Taker and Paul Bear come out for commentary. And this is this the debut of Taker on commentary? Have we heard this yet? That's the first time I can remember ever yeah, seeing me too. Him do commentary. But it's also one but of the first times I can remember. Yeah, it's one of the first times I can remember Paul Bear <laughs> doing commentary as well, dude. He, <laughs> yeah. he calls his team. You talking about 
Which sounds like the best WWE Network show that never happens. Oh my gosh. Love to watch that. <laughs> oh man. A table for three, dude. Really oh, big show. Yeah. Fino in the family. <laughs> be so good. What might have yeah, been? Yeah, dude. He called. I know, man. What could have been? Figured it held on for a few more years. We could have got that on the network. So, um, dude, it is just. I can't believe Taker on commentary. It's just like it took us this long to get in there. But his, this character, again, he's kind of building more towards the biker Taker. As we said last week, and um, he speculates that Vidian are going to be killers one day. He says, you know, they're still um, they're still his disciples, basically. He says, you know, and they're going to have this killer instinct one day. And he even winds up calling Kane swift. So um, <laughs> yeah, he doesn't say it that way, but he does say he soft. So I thought that was great. I just had to give him a little uh, swift in there. So. R.I.P. Enzo. Yeah, um, and cast. Yeah, and cast too. You're right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I thought it was, you know, we talked last week about the dissolution of the ministry, uh, but now apparently yeah, Visran, uh, excuse me, Vidian are still the Undertaker's disciples here. Uh, so yeah. yeah, they're playing fast and loose with the storylines. Uh, it's kind of strange. But anyway, the Acolytes uh, come out uh, during the match and take out Kane on the outside and Visra actually gets to pick up the win. Here, get an yeah, ex- upset over X-Pac and Kane. He just squashes X-Pac and, and pins him right there clean in the ring. So that was uh, kind of caught me off guard. It did, man. And one thing that definitely caught me off guard was this zinger that Paul Bear has, man, on commentary. He goes, out. <laughs> I can't even say. He says, the Acolytes. I call them the Alkylites. <laughs> a little foreshadowing to their APA days, you know, yeah. they're just beer drinkers or something. I just thought it was a little funny. Funny shot at them, little shootsky comment there. So, dude, the story the, of this episode of the podcast is going to be great moments in guest commentary. Oh, yes. oh man, so much of this stuff, and then back to the 1994 stuff. There is some great, oh yeah, color commentary moments that uh, we <laughs> have singled out for you guys. So uh, enjoy the ride on that. Um, but yep. yeah, not so good commentary, or not really commentary, but. Uh, Mike work uh, was this was I believe the debut of Lillian Garcia on this episode of Raw. First time I can mm-hmm, remember yeah. noticing her, and much like Michael Cole in his early days, I'll just say she's come a long way. Yeah, <laughs> she, had some, she has, man. She had some rough spots uh, in this first month getting to see her, but you know, God bless her. Uh, she's uh, out of I mean, she's very talented and has done a lot of great uh, work in that role since then. But started off a little rough. We'll just say that. Oh, yeah, she definitely was green, a greenhorn. But, uh, yeah, she's come a long way and done great work for them. And even has a podcast out nowadays, and she's actually a great interviewer. I really do. I don't listen to it all the time, but if I say somebody I really like on there, I'll listen to it. So she's a good interviewer. So, yeah, but, yeah, here she was ooh, a little wet behind the ears still, as they say, down south. <laughs> I guess. I don't know. Where do they say that? I've heard it before. I don't know. That sounds like something Jerry Lawler would say. Um, <laughs> oh, my. Moving on. <laughs> SmackDown, the premiere of SmackDown. You yeah. guys remember we covered the pilot uh, a few episodes ago, but this, this is the actual premiere of them on, you know, as a show. This is the first quote unquote SmackDown that wasn't the pilot. Um, so, yeah, here we go. This is um, SmackDown 1 on August 26, 1999. So. 
Yeah, we can't really overstate what a huge impact the addition of SmackDown to the WWE schedule is right here. Because, you know, they've had two major shows with with Heat now for the past year. We've been covering it, and we're pretty much done covering that. Basically, (laughs) uh, nothing uh, really eventful happens here in this buildup, and I be hard to believe that Undertaker really ever even appears on Sunday Night Heat after that. I don't know for sure, but uh, maybe right. maybe some of the pay-per-view pre-shows or something like that. So we're really kind of done covering Heat, but you know, SmackDown with this edition, Heat Heat's been important, but nothing you couldn't really miss. You know, we we've, we've covered some right. stuff on there, but it's usually all like teasing stuff for Raw. It's hardly right. almost never been something hugely important there but with smackdown now we have at least for the beginning it's like we have two a shows to cover here Mm -hmm. raw and smackdown treated equally here at first so feuds are moving faster there's more things happening here to to fill in the timelines so like we've got a ton of stuff on these episodes to cover and then you know a long long time from now it's going to lead to having two separate brands two totally separate rosters so it's it just kind of caught me off guard kind of crazy to look back at where we started back at episode one where undertaker would appear like once a month on tv doing a squash match (laughs) uh but but that's what everybody did you know it was right you got to see your guys your favorite guys once or twice a month, except for somebody like IRS, who somehow appeared on every episode of every <laughs> WWF program, it seemed like, back then. But uh, we've come a long way. <laughs> yeah, we've come a long way. You're right. We've come a huge, long way. And, man, I, I remember watching this episode at my house, just flipping back and forth between this and Thunder. And it's just like, this is a wrestling fan's heaven back then, man. You had to choose. Like, Monday nights were taken up by WCW and WWF. Now your Thursday night was, you know, before Thunder moves to Wednesday. You're going to get ECW on Fridays coming here soon after this. Because I remember watching yeah. that debut episode with you at yeah. your house. Um, you know, it's just, man, Monday Night Wars, Thursday Night Wars, great stuff. And uh, something I don't even have in my notes. I just popped off the top of my head. You're talking about how, um, you know, they're kind of like two A shows. You know, this eventually leads to Vince Russo and Ed Ferrara leaving is the, the addition of SmackDown. Yeah. Um, and he's going to lead here. I think he leaves right at Unforgiven or right after Unforgiven. I can't remember. But um. yeah, I, I'm sure somewhere. one of our listeners can shout us out. I tried to find the exact date, but I it's sometime in September of 1999. Yeah. Uh, before I think it's yeah. before this Unforgiven show i think uh, it's the week before because yeah. i think he had i think he said he turned in the script for the night after and had jericho going over rock actually and then they turned it into something else like jericho got jobbed out by a hardcore holly or something anyway i don't know but anyway um yeah so this is going to lead to russo because again for as much crap as people give russo you can't say these episodes that we've been covering haven't been super long because there's so much to cover you know well now he and ed Ferrara are having to do that twice a week you know, on two-hour shows for everybody, making sure everyone has something to do. So that probably would be exhausting, you know, and you're not getting any more pay either. So, uh, you know, it is what it is. We don't have to dissect that, but, you know, it definitely gets busier, busy, busy, busy here. So It does get busier and busier, although Undertaker only has got one segment here, really, on this episode. He's going to have a lot more here uh, in the weeks to come, but he is going to defend the tag team titles along with Big Show and a triple threat match here uh, against the Acolytes and then against X-Pac and Kane. So a pretty big match for this debut episode 
of yeah. SmackDown. Uh, and of course, we did cover that pilot episode back in the, I believe it's the Backlash episode of our, or no, I think that it's one, the, maybe the, the No Mercy that. episode. Yeah. 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 So you can go back in our archives and hear our thoughts on that pilot episode. But, you know, Undertaker's only in this match, I guess, in theory, because uh, he right. actually yeah. does something we're going to see a lot here in the next few weeks. He sits on the sidelines and does guest commentary and lets Big Show fight out the battle. Yeah, he shows some tough love, he says, and he says something here that I did not realize. And I, I'm going to do what we do here, and we're going to say he's responsible for this. So he says, I'm tag team champions because I want to be. Those titles are just the first step in a major plan. And when the show's ready, I'll reveal that plan. And I just wrote, dude, he is responsible for what will become his brother's thing. I am the tag team champion. How about so that? Just, what the heck, man? How about it? So, yeah, dude, I just I can't believe it, man. He says, I'm the tag team champion. So I just, man, I love that. Love and, it. <laughs> that is not the only cool thing that he's going to be responsible no. here for on this episode. Uh, that's a neat little twist in there. And, you know, this is all getting into what the reasoning for him leaving, for Undertaker leaving. He's obviously... right nursing some injuries right now. They put the tag team titles on him, but he's struggling to compete. I and mean, that's what the heart right. as was at the heart of this whole storyline of him sitting out these matches and doing commentary instead. Uh, Undertaker does get involved a little bit. He gets up at one point because Big Show's not doing what he wants him to do and gives him a little motivational slap to kind of yeah. wake him up and warm him up. And it ends up working because Show wins with a choke slam on X Pac. And yep. basically, so show beats four guys by himself basically here. They're, they're <laughs> yeah. continuing to build these guys up as major monsters. And it really is. These guys have such a cool dynamic with each other. Oh yeah. Very intimidating. So much potential. It's kind of kind of a shame we didn't get to see the conclusion of whatever they were building for here. Yeah, I know, man. I love again, I can't overstate how much I love Taker and Show together, man. It's just so good. And I've always been an advocate for that kind of stuff. I, I wouldn't even mind nowadays if they just put Randy Orton and John Cena as a tag team. Like, just something about two singles yeah. guys that are main eventers, like, watch them tag team. But then when you got these enormous dudes, like, you know, Taker and, and Show, it just, it's even better, man. This stuff's cool. And um, backstage, we get X Pac calling himself the weak link, and he kind of walks away from Kane and says, Kane's better off by himself. So, because X Pac keeps getting beat, which is true. He's taking the pinfall in all yeah. these matches. so It's logical. Yeah. Raw, episode 327, August 30th, 1999. We're going to continue the storylines going. Um, and Shane McMahon, is, he is the guy running things now that Vince McMahon is gone, basically. He's going to make right. a false count anywhere match between Undertaker and The Rock. And if The Rock wins, he will get a title shot against Triple H later tonight. Yeah, because they were Rock and Mankind had some concerns, you know, and so he he's going to give them that, and uh, then he also gives Mankind uh, a match as well because you know Taker and Rock is going to be no holds barred, no DQ, false count anywhere, and then Mankind gets to take on the entire Mean Street Posse with Stan as the ref. And this is is this a debut of Mankind as Blue Sweats, or is this we seen that? I don't remember him. Seeing yeah, it. I think this is the first time we've seen him in his his blue yeah. sweatpants. And I would always make that on Create a Wrestler yeah. or like change his outfit on the No Mercy no game Mercy. and give him the blue ones. So, um, yeah, so Shane's going to be the referee for that. 
match. So Shane's uh, this time his ankle starts acting up instead of his case of bursitis <laughs> in the shoulder, but uh, <laughs> it, it causes mankind to put the mandible claw on Shane out of frustration. So he's going to lose that match, and then we get a backstage promo with investigative journalist Michael Cole talking to uh, the the Big Show, the Phenom, and the Fat Man. Yes, he interviews what he says is the most awesome tag team champions in the history of the WWF. So, you know, really putting them over there, you know, and I, I can't say I, you know, they're not flashy, but I just, as far as a spectacle and to see them and just what they mean to the history of WWF is, they're pretty awesome, man. I love it. So Taker gives us some intense promo about how he's going to shove the soup bone down the rock's throat, but I think he actually <laughs> says something else, doesn't he? Uh, oh, yeah, Undertaker uses the term cake hole, which is... <laughs> I mean, that's one of my favorite pieces of terminology of all time, so I really appreciated him uh, dusting that off. Yeah, I don't get it. It's great, man. It's, it's, great. it's great. It's great. So, um, is this when, so I think at this point, they're, they're going to have their match, Undertaker and Rock, and Undertaker comes out to the ring and says that Rock hasn't earned his respect to be beaten by him tonight, so he's going to give this match to the big show, stand in kind of as his proxy again. He's not ready for his, you know, stand up comics routine that he's going to. That Rock always did, does, and I wonder how much of that was a shoot, man, because he just—that's always his go-to. Is like, you know, you're a stand-up comedian and everything. So, but um, it's funny because shows kind of taken aback at first, and then Taker's like, no, beat him up, man, go in there, and he goes back to commentary, which and he goes, uh, all right, this is an everyday thing now. So, man, I just wrote, I wish, I wish we had Taker on commentary <laughs> every week. This this iteration of him, not the oh, satanic yeah. ministry guy, or even the you know dead. Um, cowboy, this one is great because he's kind of almost biker taker, you know. He is. He's definitely letting loose with some stuff and and yeah. <laughs> showing some of his real personality here. It's really fun to listen to this stuff. And I guess Rock is showing some of his real personality here because he comes out <laughs> wrestling, comes out to wrestle in like a pair of Dockers khakis, just like straight off the rack, man, and a pair of loafers. What's going on uh. with this? This is not the first time we're going to cover. I mean, not the last no. time we're going to cover that either. Like he wrestles in slacks multiple times during the rest of this <laughs> remainder of Undertaker's time on the main what roster. What is with here. that? I have no idea, man. I guess it's supposed to be like he wasn't prepared for the match, so I don't know. Maybe it's supposed to seem real, but I have no idea. He just, yeah, he wrestles in like his alligator shoes and <laughs> some slacks <laughs> out of a box. <laughs> so, oh yeah. Anyway, um, I think uh, at this point we get um, they kind of battle up the ramp, Big Show and Rock and. Big Show hits a Russian leg sweep on the ramp. It looked ugly. So, mm, yeah, um, but Taker, Taker, Taker again says, you know, once Big Show learns to be a killer, like no one's going to stand a chance against him. So, which I just wrote, you know, that's probably a little bit of work and a little bit of shoot, you know, as we kind of mentioned in the, and as their relationship, you know, starting in last week's episode, talking about how he really was taking him under his wing and really was trying to show him you can be Andre, you know, you can be a big menacing guy that. You don't have to do, you know, drop kicks and kip ups and, you know, show all this, you know, athleticism. You need to be the big killer monster that no one can can overcome. So, and uh, he, in in fact, Taker even says he doesn't realize he's seven foot tall and five hundred pounds, which, that's part of the character, part of real life, as far as I know. So, yeah, if you guys out there listen to Eric Bischoff's podcast, eighty three weeks, they yeah. just talked about the Giants run in WCW this past Monday, and Very a lot true. of that same stuff. You know, Big Show yeah. had, uh, I mean, and he's had a legendary career, but yeah, a lot of this stuff, especially when he was younger, he he didn't fully realize 
his potential uh, and didn't really right wasn't didn't fully have his head in the game in a lot of ways. Seemed like in WCW and right here at his first few years in the WWF, and that's this whole gimmick on screen and, and apparently off screen as well with Undertaker and Big Show. So kind of cool to see that those things bleeding together, uh, the realism in there. Yeah. Um, the as far as the match itself. The Big Show is going to beat The Rock here. He's going to choke slam Undertaker. The Rock's going to get distracted with Undertaker on commentary on the outside. So Big Show is going to choke slam The Rock through an announce table, put one yeah. foot on top of him, and pin him. So that's a, even in 1999, dude, that's a huge win for The Rock. I mean, uh, it's a huge win for The Big Show. Oh, yeah. Especially because Xbox kicked out of that <laughs> for one foot choke slam. Now there was a table here. So, yeah. But yeah, that's a big win, man. That's a big win, signature win for him. That's a former, you know, world champion there. So, um, speaking of former world champions or future world champions, Triple H comes out and he starts attacking the Rock, and then Taker just grabs Hunter by the throat <laughs> for some reason. I guess they still got their animosity there. And then Mankind comes out and Big Show and Taker beat him up and pretty much leave him laying in the ring, uh, just you know, kind of leaving everybody in the rubble basically. So, like I mentioned last week, you know, they put they put. Rock down one week on Raw, put Austin down one week. Now they're putting Mankind down and Rock again and yeah. kind of shoving Hunter by the wayside. They're just owning folks, man, owning the the main event guys, um, which yeah, is going to lead to something amazing. It is, yeah. Just to uh, <laughs> clear up with everybody, in case you don't remember, I don't think we mentioned it, but Triple H is now the WWF champion here at this point as he won the title the night after SummerSlam. Uh, Mankind won the title at SummerSlam. So just to re- oh, yeah. just to point out where we are in the timeline here, in case you don't remember all that. So Triple H is the champion here. Um, so yeah, the, this is all the catalyst for possibly the biggest thing. Maybe. I don't know. Well, one of the biggest things that The Undertaker is indirectly or directly responsible for in his career that we're unraveling here because the and rock, I forgot. Me too, completely, totally <laughs> forgot this. Uh, the Rock calls out the Undertaker. Uh, he doesn't want to match with him, but he just wants to shove his head up the Big Show's rear end. <laughs> and I just wrote that wouldn't be the last time that someone's head is shoved up the Big Show's rear end in the WWE. <laughs> That's very true. <laughs> There's a certain owner and some DX members, I believe, they got that. So. <laughs> Uh, but he wants to have a handicap match with Undertaker and Show, get some revenge on them. But, you know, The Rock's friend, Mankind, doesn't think that would be wise. He, he wants to stand up and be The Rock's partner. So the crowd goes electric for that. They yeah. want to challenge The Undertaker and Show to put their tag titles on the lines tonight. And that's going to lead incredibly to the formation of the Rock and Sock connection to combat the Undertaker. There it is, folks. It's crazy, man. Like you said, like they're not named Rock and Sock yet, but I, I just flat out forgot that he that they formed because of this Taker Big Show. But see, I knew I love this Taker Big Show stuff for some reason, man. This is all in the back of my mind. But yeah, so Taker, I'll, I'll say he's directly responsible for Absolutely. the Rock and Sock connection, you yeah. know? Because and the crowd, like you said, dude, they just ate. Every second of this rock and mankind stuff up, man. They love it. And the more we go on and we talk about, the more they love the mankind stealing rocks promos and stealing his catchphrases and rock cutting them off. It is just golly, it's so awesome. They have such good chemistry, man. I love it. So that brings us to our main event that night. We're gonna have the WWF tag title match. So we got this proto rock and sock versus the unholy union. 
and no Paul Bear. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What was that all about? Well, it's going to lead to later on in the match, I guess, because he has a delivery man, I guess, because um, <laughs> so basically show slides in and basically they double team him and the match gets underway and shows basically taking the brunt of the match. As we mentioned for in real life, takers injured here and kind of need some time off and nurses injuries, but Paul bear kind of saunters out and, I guess he was up. finishing up all the leftovers at catering. <laughs> yeah, or that pizza from last week. <laughs> like Xbox, Xbox pizza. <laughs> or Xbox and his pizza, who knows. But um, <clears throat> So he comes out, waddles out, and tells Taker something on the apron. And then that just makes Taker leave. Well, he, like, has, he has something in his jacket. He like shows something to Undertaker, like a piece of paper oh, okay. or something. Uh, yeah, I don't know. He informs him of something somehow, yes. yeah. And anyway, whatever it is, Taker starts like storming off uh, toward the back and just drops Big Show, you know, just drops him like a bad habit there and, and leaves. And um, so that's going to leave us two and one in the ring with Big Show left by himself. And Show almost has the match one, but he gets hit with a Sako. There's a ref bump, a chair shot, people's elbow by Rock and Mankind, and that's going to get a pinfall. And we got new WWF Tag Team Champions, you know. So they lost the titles almost as quickly as they won them. So um, we're going to play hot potato here with those titles <laughs> yes, again <we> coming <laughs> up. So. But why did the Undertaker leave? I don't know that we ever found out, do we? <laughs> Dude, I if any of you guys have answers out there, maybe this was one of these things that, that got dropped because of you know Undertaker's injuries and Undertaker leaving. But yeah, they teased this as some sort of mystery and never gets resolved right there. So throw this in there with who yeah. raised the briefcase, who is the Hummer driver, who did GTV, because we're not going to get any answers for this. Sorry, folks. Um, but um, that'll just take us who to... Who kidnapped Samoa Joe? Oh, God. Sorry. <laughs> who beat up uh, Hideo Tommy? Uh, ooh, very true. Very true. Oh, man. Uh, so many. So September 2nd, 1999, SmackDown episode number three right here. Um, they, well, they call it two on the, on the network. Okay, but okay, technically, okay. it's three. But yeah, the, first, the very first one, they just call SmackDown Pilots. So yeah, they they start right. numbering them one uh, last okay. week, and then this week is two, yeah. Okay. SmackDown two. So the big show comes out. He's frustrated. <laughs> he's, uh, he's so frustrated. He's torn the sleeves off his polo shirt, man. <laughs> yes. Looking good. He's looking, looking jacked, man. Big Show comes out. He talks about he's angry about what happened Monday, being left alone. He's heard a lot about tough love, and Taker's trying to give him tough love. And he says, uh, let me tell you something, you ink sack carcass of dead meat. I, I've had enough of you. He says, I don't know what an ink sack carcass of dead meat is, but I think that was just off the top of his mind. So... I have no idea where he's coming from with that. But he says, bring yourself down here. And uh, instead, we get Paul Bear. Well, well, well. That's well, not the Undertaker. That's Paul Bear. How dare you stand in that ring and talk to the Undertaker in that manner? We left you alone, and you cost us the WWF Tag Team Championship. There's something you must have forgot. You better remember that the Undertaker created you and can destroy you. Paul Bear says all that to Big Show, and so Big Show responds with a super kick to Paul Bear. (laughs) Super kick party. Yeah, absolutely, man. Gives him that super kick and uh, starts about to go off on him, you know, and then we get uh, Taker's music 
hitting okay because big show goes i don't want the messenger i want the man so mm-hmm. taker's music hits he comes out pretty much he and show are staring a hole through each other and he gets in the ring kind of looks at paul bear on the floor walks over him grabs a microphone for some reason then he leans in and whispers something in big show's ear so show looks really confused and um taker goes you know now that being said you did a good number on paul there and then uh, he winds up wrapping his hand around show, Big Show's throat and says, you know, I'm going to choke you with your own tongue if you disrespect me again. <laughs> <laughs> Just taking it to a whole other level. Man, they're always great. Um, and so, yeah, Undertaker and Big Show – they just kind of look disgustedly at Paul and walk over him in the ring yeah. and leave. Undertaker leaves. Yeah. Big Show falls in behind. They leave Paul Bear behind. And that's going to be the last we see of Paul Bear for a while, uh, at least for this episode and going into the future. That's the last we're going to hear of him. Yeah. For a little bit. For yeah, little absolutely. Bit. And um, like you said, that Taker and Show go out and X-Pac and Kane are backstage later on and Xbox basically says, if you get involved, we're over as a team. Like, you know, I need to know I can trust you. If you get involved, you know, we're over as a team. So, of course, we got Xbox versus Jericho, and Big Show interferes, um, causing a DQ. And then Big Show choke slams Xbox, goes to choke slam him, but Kane comes out and stops it. And Taker comes down the ramp and goes, he'll have his day. He'll have his day. And basically calls Big Show off. So, again, he's kind of like Big Show's handler. You know, he sends him on his missions and calls him off when he needs to, arrange him in. So, um, he says, the weaker the X-Pac becomes, the weaker Kane becomes, and you're becoming more vulnerable. And then he and Show leave the ramp. So, again, we're getting back into this Kane stuff um, as well. Dude, he's kind of, like, he loved he loved him for a while, then he hated him, and they won the tag titles from him. Now he's kind of looking out for him again. I don't know. <laughs> they just can't help themselves with Undertaker yeah. and Kane stuff. They're, like, magnetic ends that just keep yeah. coming back towards each other no matter what. I know. <sighs> yeah. Uh, anyway... That's going to be it for that episode of SmackDown. It goes into Raw, episode 328 on September 6th, 1999. Uh, the Rock and Sock are going to defend their tag team titles against X-Pac and Kane, but X-Pac doesn't show up here. He's, nope. I guess, still uh, in, frustrated with this whole relationship with Kane. It's starting to fall apart. So all of a sudden, Triple H shows up, and he's going to be Kane's partner out of nowhere uh but of course that's all just a plan for triple h to hit kane with a sledgehammer and then <laughs> yeah you know do his thing and then show and taker come out uh they're looking like bouncers from the strip club down the street dude <laughs> taker looks exactly <laughs> like he's going to uh during this bike taker run he's got yep. black jeans black cutoff shirt black bandana boots braided ponytail it's pretty clear that they were going towards this direction with his character, even if he hadn't gotten Had to be. Had to be, man. Like you speculated last week, this had to be where they were headed no matter what. Because all this, just the way he looks, man. Like when he wrestles in a match, he has his his wrestling gear on. But when mm-hmm. he's not, he looks just like the biker taker, man. Like it's just crazy. So, yeah, you know, like you said, they come out and um, and basically stand over Kane and kind of save him. So, you know, where is this all headed? We don't really know. Um, are they going to kind of recruit him to their little discipleship, you know, ministry type thing they have going on here with Vidian and, and Big Show and <laughs> Paul Bear? I guess they're down at recruit now that Bear is gone. So That's true. Um, yeah. But um, that's not the last we see a Big Show this night because we get a return of good old GTV. 
this was the highlight of the show for me of this week's episode. I know yours comes during the Coliseum video portion. This was it for me because Big Show and Val Venus are, are shown on GTV at the urinal. Uh, so we got cameras in the bathroom and Val strolls up next to Big Show and uh, makes fun of his unit, if you will. Uh, says, uh, are you really the Big Show? <laughs> I guess not. Uh, and so Big Show knocks him out in the bathroom for that. Uh, yes. Val's for dead. <laughs> <laughs> Val is out. Val, of course, not going to take that lay in. He comes out, challenges Big Show to take their fight out of the washroom into the ring. <laughs> and show, Big Show and Undertaker, we cut backstage to see them watching the monitor backstage. And Taker delivers maybe my favorite line of the past 62 episodes. You going to pick that up? What? That punk card Val Venus just gave you. Punk? Oh, come on, man. Oh, hell, you ain't gonna do that. <laughs> <laughs> what a line, dude. <laughs> what the, uh, it's like a joke. Yeah. He, now Taker's telling jokes, you know? <laughs> He's got, got that punk card Val Venus just threw you. <laughs> Oh, which apparently was something because it sets Big Show off. Like he's like, Ugh, like he's disgusted. Like, oh yeah, you know, he got served this line. Like he, like he got, he's got burned by Taker. Like that, <laughs> he's like, oh fine. He goes out there to take. Oh yeah, you so, can't like, leave a punk card on the ground. No, 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 man. It's like you know, a, a triple dog dare you. You can't, you can't beat that. You know, so can't triple stamp or double stamp anything, man. You just, you got to go with it. This is it. Someone throws a punk card at your feet. You got to pick that up. <laughs> Gotta pick it up. We need to start selling punk cards on our uh, sure, man. <laughs> T Public store. Just <laughs> talk and take a punk card. Yeah, you throw that down at Excuse people. Me. You want to challenge them? <laughs> so, exactly. <laughs> throw that punk card challenge down on the ground. <laughs> throw it at them. <laughs> what is that? It's a punk card. What, what year is it? <laughs> you gonna it's pick not... it up? Is he supposed yeah, to get it back to him? What is he supposed to do? I don't know. How do you, yeah. Do you return it? Is it like a video rental? Do you get it yeah. for several days? I don't understand. Yeah. Or is it a punch if any card? of you know, yeah, do you get punches on it? Is it like a, like a frequent flyer thing? Like you get rewards when you have got five punk cards? I don't know. So, but <laughs> no, in all seriousness, uh, that killer instinct kind of emerges from Big Show because he takes it to, uh, to Venus here in this match and wins. I mean, Venus gives him a lot, but he, he wins with a choke slam. So, Again, it's just a random, like, thrown in. Val Venus had nothing to do with the storyline, but I love it. It's just because it gives us that punk card line. So it's good oh, yeah. stuff. It was great. <laughs> uh, Undertaker and Big Show are going to be interviewed backstage by, <clears throat> by investigative journalist Michael Cole, who asks them about Kane, about what's going on with them. And Undertaker revokes Michael Cole's interviewing privileges <laughs> at this point. <laughs> Thank God. Tells him to get lost. <laughs> <laughs> probably for a shoot too oh yeah and they keep referencing it every time yeah. Michael Cole tries to interview him after this it's just like he starts to interview yeah. him and Undertaker will just glare at him and Michael Cole like puts his head down and walks away <laughs> it's hilarious so oh so yeah they um Taker says that they're gonna uh exercise their their right to a rematch and challenge Rocket Mankind in a buried alive tag team title match on Dude. Smackdown so uh, a, a buried alive. So let's remember that's buried because Big Show obviously has a little, has a little hard of hearing. <laughs> Big Show. I don't know what was going on with this promo. Big Show asked Undertaker, or he's, 
<laughs> Big Show thought Undertaker said a burrowed a live match. So he, he threatens He threatens to burrow mankind's head up the rock's butt. <laughs> <laughs> Which is a match Show, I would have loved to have seen. Big Show looks, I mean, Taker looks at him like, you idiot. Like, <laughs> and he corrects it too. He's like, not burrowed, it's buried. Like, it's so good. Who wrote this, is a live, that? this is not, this is not a pre tape. You can tell this was a live <laughs> shot. Like, it's so good. I want to speak of burrow. I'm going to burrow his head in the butt. <laughs> it's buried alive. Oh, man. I would have loved so to see odd. that. So odd. So weird. But, and so something I wanted to say is that what I mentioned at the beginning of this episode was that something that Rock says. So later on, we get Rock and Mankind accepting this challenge in a way that only they can. You know, they mock the big show with a, and, and uh, Rock even mocks Taker and he does an eye roll and he goes, die, 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 which is just <laughs> great. But then he says this he goes, Undertaker, you come on down. When has he ever said that? <laughs> when you live by the dirt, you die by the shovel? What does that even mean? <laughs> uh, it means we're about to have a new t-shirt for sale. <laughs> oh. Dude, we got all kind of merch going out. Yeah, we got, we got, so we got much. punk cards. Punk cards uh, available now. Uh, live maybe. by the dirt, you die <laughs> by the shovel. I mean, that's a that's a good adage to live by. It makes sense to me. I mean, it's, yeah, I don't know. Does that mean like gophers? Like they like burrow in, they, in the dirt, and then like the <laughs> farmer McGregor comes after them with the shovel and kills? I don't know what that means. I think you summed it anyway, up right there. I'm looking that's far right too right into <laughs> farmer McGregor. That, Dude, from is that Connor's dad. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm freaking go for the <laughs> That's not even Skyrish. Anyway, Skyrish? Like, <laughs> Scotch Irish. Okay. <laughs> I don't know what he is with it. He's Ooh. a good pro wrestler, though. Conor McGregor is. Oh, he puts yeah. on a good show. Great on USC. Terrible, uh, terrible quarterback, but a great. Uh, <laughs> great. Did you see him trying to throw a football at the Cowboys game? Yeah, oh, it's terrible, God. man. So bad. But okay. he's a he's a great sports entertainer. So <clears throat> but anyway, that brings us to SmackDown three, which is on nine nine ninety nine. So September 9th, nineteen ninety nine. Dude, I tell you this what I was watching show, this brother. night. I was watching what? the uh, MTV video music awards this night. I remember Ooh, like it's ingrained in my brain too. that was their advertising it was nine nine ninety nine. Like <laughs> Oh man. That's like the uh, I forgot that. I, I don't know why. That's just like I can't remember, uh, you know, anything I learned in Spanish class that I took for four years in college. But I remember that the <laughs> 1999 Video Music Awards were on 9999. So power Dude, of advertising. I forgot about people. that. Yeah. There you go. Yeah, like you said, Kane is all over the show. Starts off with Triple H in China ambushing Kane in the parking lot. But Undertaker and Big Show make the same. Yeah. I have no idea what's going on with all this, but uh, they're continuing to kind of tease some sort of strange relationship between the two of them. Yep. Or the three of them. Yeah. <laughs> Later on, throughout the night, we get Kane pouring gasoline on Triple H's car, on Triple H, on China. 
X-Pac also breaks up with Kane, lets him go on to bigger and better things. They actually have like an actual breakup. So, um, yeah, while well, Big Show and Undertaker kind of look on backstage, kind of like, yeah, we got him. Mm-hmm. So, like, their plans come into fruition. So, um, that's kind of how that's going. So, and then we see Rock and Sock uh, cutting a promo. And, dude, I can't even. This is so good. Ah, it was so good. Ah, ah, ah. Buried alive. Buried alive. <laughs> it's so good. He's getting a little bit of this dude loveisms out there. So, oh, yeah. Yeah, man. It's, ah, I forgot how much. How so entertaining these guys were, man. Mankind is hilarious. Uh, he can't, I mean, his wrestling is def, he's definitely reaching the end of his uh, effectiveness in the ring, but he's well, amping it up with some comedy out here. Oh, yeah. And I don't know how he even wrestled a night after this night because we're going to talk about this buried alive match. I have no idea how he put on a pair of boots the next day. So, yeah. uh, um, real quick, Triple H defeated Kane. <clears throat> He goes to attack him yep. with a sledgehammer, but Undertaker and Big Show make the save, and Kane is confused. He just uh, gets back up and, and just backs away from them, doesn't understand what's going on with that. So that yeah. takes us to the main event, the first ever tag team Buried Alive match, or first ever Buried Alive match on television right here. So, yeah, this one is wild. Yeah, they, it's – um again, Michael Cole talks about – that cold, wet dirt and that six-foot-deep grave, which we basically debunked uh, the six-foot-deep grave on our actual Barry Live match. But I do want to mention something. If that thing's six foot, then Big Show is 12 feet tall. When he gets in it, then it's up to his waist. <laughs> he's a 12-foot monster. Like he's oh, Anyway, but um, yeah, Mankind comes out first, and he gets the boots put to him as Brock basically steals a, a, a – out of Austin's playbook and does the old late to the tag title match arrival. So, um, yeah, then he does come out eventually. Rock and Mankind kind of double team Big Show here with a shovel, you know, live by the dirt, die yeah. by the shovel. And they, exactly. start, they start the burial process. Uh, Undertaker makes the save. And then we get the spot that, you know, you, you've all seen this one. This is a match where tons of gifts and memes and all sorts of stuff have been produced over the years, and this is one of them, man. Big Show and Mankind are standing on the stage, on like the SmackDown stage, and the, the gravesite is off to the side, off the stage, and Big Show just hurls Mankind off the stage. I assume it's trying to hurl him into the grave itself, but Mankind land, lands about two feet short just onto the... Oh the grass or dirt or whatever pile Con- just concrete the, with a little bit of grass on it. Oh my gosh. The most sickening thud before he rolls into the grave. It is one of the nastiest bumps we've seen mankind take. And we've seen him take quite a few over the course of this show. Yeah. It was just, man, it's like a thud just is. So I have no idea how he walks after that, mm-hmm. man. Like it hurts my hip just watching him take that bump. And, and in fact, I was just telling you, um, that WWE just put out like a top five moments you don't remember from SmackDown, and that was one of them on it. You know, and in celebration of SmackDown 1000. Like, I was like, dude, like I just man, it, it hurts to watch him take these bumps, man. Like, there's no no wonder he retired, quote unquote, retired several months <laughs> <Right>. later. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, but but it doesn't stop him because he gives no, Socko he right to Big up. Show from the grave. Yeah. And we get a grave cam sighting. You know, we get the little GoPro before there was a GoPro. And we get the grave cam sighting here, uh, which is good. 
And uh, Big Show gets dropped in the grave, and Mankind starts shoveling dirt on him. Dude, and, uh, shouldn't that have been the win right there? I mean, from the other Buried Alive matches we've seen, you don't literally have to put six feet of dirt on right. that. And as we're going to see with the actual finish, I mean, I swear Mankind shovels more dirt on Big Show here than what we're going to see in the actual finish. I, I don't know, man. It's kind of a, <laughs> yeah. a logic gap right here. Yeah, you're right. It really is, and because well, Taker and Rocker disappear. They're kind of fighting backstage, and um, at this point, Triple H comes out. And uh, uh, wait a minute, yeah, yeah, Triple H comes out, kind of blindsides the Rock, and Kane comes in and fights him off, and then China comes out and hits Kane with a chair. So we we've got all those folks involved in the same storyline here. And uh, <clears throat> Taker comes back out to the ringside, and he or to the grave. Area and he and Big Show are double teaming Mankind, but Mankind kind of keeps keeps fighting out of it. So, yeah, again, they're hiding Undertaker's weaknesses here as he spends a lot of the match backstage, not really doing anything, and still, you know, not taking a lot of bumps, not doing a lot of moves here. But Undertaker and Big Show, like you said, double team Mankind. He keeps trying to fight out of the grave. Big Show smothers Mankind into the grave. Taker orders him to start shoveling dirt onto the grave. Um, Hunter comes out. Again, like, I think we just said that, though. No, Hunter, this... He came out again? Yeah, Hunter, Hunter's in the backstage. Yeah, Hunter was backstage earlier, and when Kane okay. fights him off, and then China hits yeah. him, and now Hunter comes back out. Yeah, it is confusing. There's so many people involved here. So Hunter comes back out and then gives us a meme that will live in infamy as well, because he starts shoveling dirt onto mankind. Yep. If you're wondering where that came from, it's, it's right here. We've all seen it before. Uh, yeah, he buries Mankind, and apparently it's enough dirt for Earl Hebner to call the match. Dude, uh, what, what the heck, man? Mankind definitely threw way more dirt on Big Show than Triple yes. H does here before they call for the bell. But, yeah, The Undertaker and Big Show are tag team champions again, all thanks to Two Triple time. H. Yeah, Two-time. Yeah. I, I had... Honestly, forgotten that they held the belts twice <coughs> here during this little period. Yeah, me too. The winners of this match and new World Wrestling Federation Tag Team Champions, The Big Show and The Undertaker. That's not the end me of the too. show, That's though. Not, no, 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 no. We got an ambulance backing up, I guess, to take out a, a deceased um, mankind, maybe, because <laughs> he's buried alive. So, ambulance back up. Hunter goes to open the door. Uh, but for his trouble, he gets some double birds and a clothesline from a returning Stone Cold Steve Austin, Hey-o. who's been MIA for about what eighteen days now or something like that, ten days since SummerSlam. Like mm-hmm. Yeah, so yeah, he's been out of the out of the loop here, and uh, it's kind of weird with not seeing him on the show. But honestly, anybody else is playing such a big role that it's okay. You know, but he comes back here, beats the crap out of Triple H, uh, takes him backstage, and commandeers an eighteen wheeler. <laughs> <laughs> smashes smashes the ambulance multiple times. Yep. So yep. rest in peace, Triple H. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh. So Triple H left for dead. That's gonna take us uh <laughs> we'll get through these last few weeks of this run right here, coming towards the end, circling the drain for this period for the Undertaker. Uh, on Raw episode three twenty nine, September thirteenth, nineteen ninety nine. The Undertaker is going to be um, 
backstage again in his full biker gear. Yes, that we've seen here talking with Big Show, Vidian <coughs> in the background, Kane is pacing yeah. around. Yeah, yeah, it's a new ministry basically. Yeah, I know. Uh, same, pretty much same as the old one. Pretty much but, the same. <laughs> Uh, mankind's walking backstage looking for Hunter. Rock's backstage looking for Hunter. All these guys are intersecting with each other, and that's going to lead yes. to Linda McMahon, of all people, making a five-way match between Rock, Mankind, Kane, Undertaker, and Big Show, contested under Royal Rumble rules tonight, and the winner is going to become number one contender for Triple H's title at Unforgiven. Yeah, so that's that's a big match, man. There's five big names right there, and they're going to have a Royal Rumble-style match, like you said. And um, But the question is, who is the champion going to be? You know, So she makes Hunter aware that if Austin wants to tonight when he gets there, he can have his contractual rematch. So that's going to play into it. And um, Hunter comes out with a police escort, and he and China assault the Stooges, and he talks smack to what would be his future mother-in-law and threatens physical harm upon her. So, <laughs> And he, uh, Vince McMahon's a-hole chant now goes from Vince to Hunter. So yeah. he gets the, the heat that Vince used to get. And, uh, yeah, it's just weird seeing him beat up his – or threaten to beat up his future mother-in-law. <laughs> oh. Wrestling is so weird. Yes, yes. So uh, basically everybody in that five-way comes out and kind of get – uh, was supposed to get held off by the uh, by the uh, police escort, but they all wind up making it in the ring. It's like kind of a Pier Six brawl, and it, it ends up with the Rock and Sock connection standing in the ring alone. So just them two. So then we get a promo from Undertaker and Big Show again. Like I said, <coughs> with Michael Cole, who's uh, sheepishly uh, admits he's lost his interviewing privileges and walks away. So Undertaker has two incredible lines here saying. <laughs> Number one, that Triple H is so much of an endangered species that even a crocodile hunter can't find him. So, timely. Dude, I miss this, bro. Oh, yeah, you got to go watch this. <laughs> but then he says, Undertaker says, I'm going to be all over rocking mankind like the leopard pants on the girl in the front row's butt. And then walks away. This <laughs> so, is the Undertaker I want. Me too. <laughs> this guy is insane. I don't know if Sarah was sitting in the front row. If this is where they first connected with each other, dude. This is <laughs> something, man. Something was going well, on guess, with the girl in the front row. Yeah. Well, I guess when he came out to ringside earlier for that melee, I guess he noticed her pants. Dude, I'm going to have to go back and look for those pants. <laughs> oh, man. He's into this her as much is... as Ben Stiller was into Deborah. Yeah, man. Absolutely. Oh, man. Well, that brings us to that five-way match. And um, it's fun, I guess you could say. It's um, Big Show and Taker come out, and uh, Mankind is next, and Taker oh, immediately sorry. attacks him. I-, I said this one was under the Royal Rumble rules. That I got ahead of myself. That one's on SmackDown. Oh, you're right. This one didn't, yeah. that's, that's later on. Oh, yeah. P- apologies, guys, but that does come later on. But yeah, this is the five-way. So um, they come out, Taker and, and, and Show, and they start beating up Mankind. And then Show actually goes for a pin on Taker, but, uh, or excuse me, a pin on Mankind. But Taker pushes him off because, you know, he wants to be the champion. So then Rock comes out, and he even sides. Kane's out next. So... Um, during all this match taking place, Vidian make their way to ringside, 
And I just want to say there's a beach ball in the audience, mm. even back here in 1999. So wow. even though you got all five of these guys and then these Vidian jabrones on the outside, there was a beach ball being thrown around. So I don't know what more you could have wanted out of the show. I guess they were just waiting for Austin. <laughs> so who knows? Maybe so. Well, the gimmick for this whole match is that the it's going to break down into a crazy brawl. Taker is going to punch out yeah. the referee as he's almost counting a three count for Mankind. So... Pretty much every referee is going to run out and then get beaten up by these five guys. All the officials like Sergeant Slaughter, Tony Gurria, Dave Hebner, all these guys are going to run out and all get attacked by the five guys in the ring. It's just craziness. No one can control it. Finally, Earl Hebner comes out and he's about to get in the ring and just <laughs> this is great. throws his hands up and walks <laughs> away from it. So that's all going to lead like, into uh, something. Yeah. <laughs> Forget about it. <laughs> he's, he's not dealing with it. That's all going to lead to something we find out about on SmackDown. Uh, and then just everyone comes out uh, to end the show. Uh, to Or not end the show, but just to end this. Just a giant brawl with everybody. Yeah, Godfather, Crash, Prince Albert, Chaz, Stevie Richards, and then everybody else. And it's just a melee. and It's awesome. So nobody, basically nobody wins this five-way five match. Which, again, back in 99, a five-way match was, like, killer, man. Like, you didn't see much talent yeah. in the ring. Nowadays, you see him literally every Monday or Tuesday. But um, back then, you didn't. So, But the main event segment is Vince coming back and uh, basically getting in Triple H's face and saying, you know, I wouldn't interfere in business, but this is personal because you put your hands on Linda. And Austin returns from jail and comes back, and they have a – a match that Austin gets DQ'd out of. I just want to mention that because again, Taker is supposed to be building toward this, you know, WWF title match uh, at Unforgiven. So I just wanted to leave that in there for those of you who don't remember what's going on then. So that brings us to SmackDown. Episode number four, five, whatever you want to call it, somewhere in there. <laughs> September 16th, 1999. <laughs> and like I said, the stuff from Monday night is leading to the referees of the WWF big being on strike that is the storyline going in to unforgiven i definitely remember this one you know it's it's creative it's something different it you know and that's a i guess this is the dying days the final maybe the final episode written by vince russo one of these final few and he's even given the referees something to do giving them a storyline yeah. and it's going to lead into some Was other there... things unraveling but kind of unique sure was this when the baseball strike was going on with the refs and stuff back then? I can't remember. There was probably some sports league on strike right. at this point. Yeah, probably so. <laughs> I'm sure it was yeah. ripped from that. Uh, and it's going to lead to some headlines. interesting uh, scab referees that we're going to see come into play here. Oh, yes. Um, well, speaking of ripped from the headlines, on WWF.com, in between – Monday's Raw and this SmackDown, they announced it would be a six-pack challenge at Unforgiven with Triple H defending versus Big Show, Undertaker, Kane, Mankind, and The Rock. And I just remember being so excited about this match, man. Um, not what it eventually becomes, <laughs> but what this this <laughs> this match right here uh, is, man. I just this is stacked, dude. That's freaking stacked, man. That's your entire main event scene was minus Steve Austin in one match. Like that's awesome. So, yeah, that's huge, especially for a non, you know, not a major a show. show. Yeah, yeah for Unforgiven yeah. here. Uh, and they're tr definitely right. trying to make it feel that, like this is the time where they've dropped the In Your House name. So they're trying to make these 
off month pay-per-views, whatever you want to call them, bigger deals. That's that's one way to do it, man. Stack everybody up. Yeah. And this one match. Well, the fact that they announced it on WWF.com, I thought was kind of neat too, because you know they um. I don't know. It just shows they were using, I guess you wouldn't call it social media, but whatever. They use the internet to kind of, you know, further their feuds. I thought that was kind of neat because I was watching this episode. I was like, when did they announce the six pack? Well, then I had to rewind it and you heard Michael Cole say, you know, on com earlier this week. So, yeah, good I mean, for them. They were ahead of so, the yeah. times for sure. Yeah. So, not with old tout. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, they were ahead of it, but we're we're still behind them. <laughs> oh, are we? Yeah, we're waiting to catch up. Still waiting to catch up. That went over like a fart in church, man. <laughs> that was terrible. So, so we've got those, a five yeah, man that Royal Rumble rules match. Uh, I was saying earlier yeah. that takes place here on SmackDown with these six pack challenge competitors: Taker, Kane, Rock, <laughs> Big Show, and Mankind. And dude, the referees for this match are. <laughs> Jim Dotson, the guy who's the head of security for WWF for all those years, and Mark Eaton, the timekeeper. They're the ones in referee shirts on the outside yeah. filling in because they're on strike. Man, that's a uh, once-in-a-lifetime yeah. thing you'll never see anywhere else. Oh, that's phenomenal, man. And for those of you who recognize Mark Eaton's name, he's the guy that throws Austin his beers at the end that's of right. his right. every episode of Raw and probably SmackDown from now on. So. Um, yeah, so yeah, it's just weird to see them in that, and uh, cool, but um, basically, Taker, um, so I think it's, the first people in there are Rock and Big Show starting out, Mankind comes out third, Kane comes out fourth, Taker's last, and he comes out and goes straight to the commentary table, but why don't you give us a little insight into what he's wearing, what he's sporting from the local 81 this evening? <laughs> <laughs> Fresh off the racks at the local 81. Dude, he's got t-shirt, jeans, bandana on. This is the first time we've seen him come out to compete in these biker clothes. Right. Because he's supposed to be in this match. And right. the most interesting thing was these sunglasses <laughs> that he's got on. He looks like those night vision glasses they advertise on TV. HD vision. Just like yellow see-through lenses. Um, I believe you compared him to Elton like John. John. <laughs> I just uh, uh, maybe he was listening to Crocodile Rock since he was talking about Crocodile Hunter. <laughs> oh, maybe so. Maybe so. He prophesied something. He, he, actually, he's a terrible prophet. Go <laughs> tell us what he says. You say. I don't know what you're gonna say. Oh, okay. Uh, he's uh, he's on commentary and he's like uh, putting over how Kane is a killer and he's now that he's dropped Xbox and he's so great and Kane is really getting that killer instinct. Who is then Kane's immediately eliminated <laughs> upon him saying that. That's great. It's just, I mean, as it comes out of his mouth, Kane is eliminated. So uh, mankind's eliminated. Big Show choke slams a rock, then Taker slides into the match and knocks Big Show and Rock over the top rope to win the match. So. So yeah, yeah Undertaker again wins a match without doing anything here, <laughs> protecting him, <laughs> letting him try to heal up from all these injuries, and it's supposed to be leading to Undertaker facing Triple H for the title in a one-on-one -on -one match later on here on SmackDown, but that's not going to happen. Uh, Big Show gets in Undertaker's face, you know, upset over what's going on, but Vidian play the Peacemakers. They get in between them, trying to keep this new ministry together. Uh, Rock grabs a chair, nails uh, Vidian, but Big Show, again, with the super kick, uh, with the chair <laughs> into Rock. Um, and this new ministry assaults the Rock as Undertaker feeds out instructions. And again, looking like an unstoppable force here. And that's why Triple H is going to refuse to fight Undertaker 
later on in the night. Yes, he does. He refuses to fight him, and instead he fights Vince McMahon with special <laughs> referee Shane McMahon. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, on the fourth episode of SmackDown ever, the main event is 53-year-old Vince McMahon and Triple H for the world title. And who wins but the chairman? Vince McMahon becomes the WWF champion with the help of Stone Cold Steve Austin, of course. He uh, comes out there and, and gives him a hand, but... I just got to say, man, again, people talk about Russo killed WCW, put a title on himself, yada, yada. Well, he also put a title on Vince right here, you know? Right. And uh, so, you know, he wasn't the first to do it for himself, you know? Vince wins the title right here, and he's not going to hold it but for a cup of coffee here. But um, still, it just gets conveniently forgotten in WWF history because they won the war that Vince was a champion for several days. So, and they also, were. An ECW champion. <laughs> he was. Never held the WCW title, but yeah. No. Two-time world champion. You know, I remember yeah, SmackDown was taped on Tuesday. didn't air till Thursday. But for right. this one, speaking of WWF.com, they put these results on WWF.com as soon as it happened. They were like, the World Wrestling oh, wow. Federation title changed hands tonight. Vince McMahon, that sort of stuff. So that was pretty rare for them back yeah. then to spoil things. On their own website, right there, but they wanted to get the news out about the new champion, and yeah, it's something else, man. It, I will say, watching it now, it you know I don't care as much, like I don't get upset about yeah. it as much, and it actually, for what it is, they they do a pretty logical job of making it happen, and there's so much interference, and it is Triple H getting this comeuppance <clears throat> after months yeah. of stuff with him and McMahon. I get why they did it, and. Sure. I, I can buy into it and get into it, but it is ridiculous on the surface. Yeah, well, it's like I was telling you last week, you know, like Russo's thing, it's just a prop. You know, no one, it's a fake fight, no one wins, no one loses, like you get written to be the champion. So that's that's how he views it, right or wrong, that's how he views it. And so it's definitely a prop here to further this story, you know, it doesn't, Vince is not like a celebrate as a, as a fighting champion or anything, but like, he, you know, it just it plays a part in the storyline. So yeah, it's definitely a prop to Russo. And you know, here we go. It leads us to Raw three thirty on September twentieth, nineteen ninety nine, where it's Vince McMahon is going to open up the show and relinquish that title. So <laughs> that's right. Uh, he's prohibited from getting involved in the day to day activities due to what happened at Fully Loaded. Uh, thanks to Undertaker losing that match for him. Uh, basically, this is all <laughs> yeah. a long 20, 30 minute promo yeah. getting. Vince to be reinstated back into the company. Hunter put into the six-pack challenge. The six-pack challenge is going to be for the vacant title now, and Stone Cold Steve Austin is going to face the winner at a later date. So there's there a summation. Go. That sums it all up. <laughs> 20 minutes of talking right there. Uh, yeah. The fun stuff happens because we see Mankind hanging out in his favorite spot in the boiler room, and then we see <laughs> Undertaker... And Vidian and Big Show all talking, and Midian has on some fancy new duds here, man. This is a great look for him. I could not remember this for the life of me, oh, man. It's... I could not remember this outfit. And then it's definitely a different look for him, and I, I seem like I remember hearing something about it, and it came back in my memory, and I think because of something that happened with you. Well, it's not the airbrush shirt. It's like this, like, he's definitely spent a lot of money on this outfit. Yeah. And... Back, I don't know what year it was, maybe a couple years after this, but WWF had their own auction site. Actually, I think they still do yeah. have it. Uh, 
but I used to get on there all the time. I thought it was fun. They would put, you know, chairs and autographs and props and all sort of stuff on there that you could, you know, try to win. And dude, I guess I was working at the video store or something. I had it's like 17, 18 years old, had disposable income, whatever, didn't care what I spent my money on. And I just like had it in my mind, I, want, I really want to win something on this WWF auction site. I want to have some officially licensed autograph rate yeah. memorabilia on there. This Midian outfit went up for auction <laughs> on the WWF auction <laughs> website. And most um, of the stuff on that site it got way out of hand, like thousands sure. of dollars you spent on. So obviously I'm not going to get anything like that. This Midian outfit it was hovering around like $100 for most of the time <laughs> it was on the auction. And I definitely bid on it. Uh, I don't remember what my final bid was, like 120 bucks or something like that. I was like, God, dude, I could have Midian's eyeball outfit. <laughs> and I think in like the final, you know, five minutes of it, it went up to $500 or something like that. But you'd, oh. up to... You know, within a few hours, I was the high bidder on this Midian outfit, and I was just moments away from owning it and being able to wear it here for this episode of the podcast. <laughs> but uh, I've been meaning to talk oh. about that uh, one of these episodes. I keep putting it in my notes, but yeah, there we go. Uh, almost owned Whoa. Midian's fancy new attire. <clears throat> what could have been, man? Yeah. What could have been? Did they call it WWE eBay? Duh. They should have. They, they should, should call the new well, one. Well, it wasn't. They should call it that now. Yeah. WWE eBay. So <laughs> if you're listening out there, you can use that. It's okay. So, yeah, man, these got these fancy new duds. They could have been won by Alex Dorio. Man, what a shame that is. You could have had these, man. Maybe he would actually come on our show since you emailed him and he hadn't answered yet. I tried to reach out to Dennis Knight. Uh, still got an open invitation. Like, for real. We really want to talk to him. It's yeah. not make fun of him. We really want to talk to him. It'd be so. great. And, yeah. Anyway, um, yeah, he goes in, or Undertaker sends Midian into the boiler room uh, to you know, take a, I guess, take one of the opponents out, you know, and, um, and mankind, uh, kind of starts beating him up and, and then Visser comes in as well. And then Takerson's big show in there as well. And then we see a little bit, a recap during the break. They all kind of lay the boots to mankind and rock makes the save. So, you know, rocks kind of, uh, reciprocating that favor, reciprocating that friendship for mankind. It's kind of been one-sided, you know, rock teams with him, but he never, you know, puts his, you know, extends the olive branch at first, but here he is, you know, he's kind of, so they're building that story of their friendship there. So, and they're going to challenge big show and undertaker to a rematch here for the tag team titles, rock and side yep. against big show and taker yet again, undertaker and big show respond being interviewed by our investigative journalist, Michael Cole and undertaker again, <clears throat> digging back into that. Well, that you mentioned earlier, he tells rock, he should get those TV writers that work for him to write him a eulogy. Yeah, so, yeah, dude, he's cutting deep. Like, there's some, there's some underlying stuff in here, man. You, you tell, sure, that, uh, that was, I don't know, man. That, that was something under Undertaker's crawl about. Oh yeah, Rock's promos and his comedy that he's doing out there. But he gives, he says he needs to write a eulogy because they're accepting their challenge for a dark side rules match. What the heck Star is that? Wars. There we go. <laughs> Told you he's the Emperor Palpatine. I guess or he's so. he's a Sith Lord, you know. Dark side rules matching. Yeah, what? I got no idea. Commentators don't know what that is, but I would like to add that to our list of signature matches that Undertaker has. We got 
Buried Alive. We've got Dark Side Rules. We got Casket. We got Coffin. We got uh, Golly. What was it? Rest in that, Peace. Um, Gold Dust. Oh, yeah, Final Rest in Curtain. Peace. Final Curtain. Yeah, man. So unfortunately, it's it's basically like one of those last few ones that we talked <laughs> yeah. about. It's not going to be anything exciting here, folks. Uh, yeah. Mankind exactly. and Rock are going to make their way to the ring. We see Big Show coming out backstage. He's in street clothes. Um, I don't know why so many people are wearing street clothes and wrestling in street clothes yeah. this past month. Uh, Undertaker is seen talking to someone around the corner, and it's Kane teasing that relationship there, there down to the end. So, yeah, Mankind and Rock come out, and Rock is in his street clothes too. No one knew they were going to wrestle yeah. tonight, apparently. Well, Undertaker's the only one that has his gear on. Everybody else, the one guy who can't wrestle sense. really, has his gear on. Everybody else is in their street clothes. Of course, Mankind's street clothes are just his actual yeah. clothes that he wrestles yeah. in as well. So. Yeah. But yeah, Big Show and, and Rock have like slacks on still or whatever. It's just weird. So um, yeah, Mankind and Rock come out separately, like you said. And the Rock basically makes fun of this match, the dark side rules. And he's like, uh, And then you run your mouth about how the Rock has TV scriptwriters? Uh-oh. Rock's laying a verbal smackdown on whomever listens. Isn't that a plagiarist? Obviously, the millions of Rock's fans know that he writes all of his material, but The Rock just did quickly write something real fast. So The Rock says this. Oh, it matters what The Rock says. <laughs> Rock's a little sensitive about his material. It goes like this. The Undertaker, the phenom who claims to be from hell. Come on down so The Rock can check your candy ass in to the SmackDown Hotel. And dude, I'll just gotta say, Rock's got like 1140 catchphrases and every <laughs> single one of them is over. Every oh, one yeah. of them is over. The crowd finishes all of his sentences. It's phenomenal. So. Well, he's got all his catchphrases. Undertaker himself has got a plan. Uh, his big show comes yep. out to wrestle. Undertaker gets on commentary yet again. Tells the commentators that dark side rules means that I never go anywhere without a plan. <laughs> don't, don't know what that means for the match. So, But we do see Vidian come out and they hop up on the apron. And become Big Show's partners. As Undertaker reveals that dark side rules means that everyone who believes in the dark side can compete in this match. <laughs> Man, that's just its too bad we weren't there, dude. We could have jumped up uh, on Undertaker's uh, team. Could have participated know, in this man. match. Could have been five on two. That would yeah. be great, dude. What a shame. I wish, was anybody else listening backstage that could have come in this match and become tag team champion? Or defended the tag that's team right. titles? I guess they don't believe in the dark side. Yeah, well, I tell you, somebody who doesn't believe is the referee, and his name is Doctor Tom Pritchard. So yeah, How about <laughs> his that? hair never changes. It's like from nineteen eighty one all always. <laughs> oh, it did oh, when man. he was uh, Zip in the Body Donnas. That's true. That's true. I try to forget that that was him. Yeah, Bless his I think he does heart. Too. Yeah, bless his heart. So, um, yeah, Taker's throwing some more jabs at Rock on commentary, saying I can't wait for him to use some new material here <laughs> and stuff like that. So, yeah, man, he's just egging it on dude but the match basically breaks down and we get kane comes out and taker says blood's thicker than water and you see kane get up on the top rope and you think he's gonna attack you know rock and mankind but 
that's not actually what happens. No, he clotheslines the big show off the top rope, starts beating him up, gets a big reaction. Undertaker is livid on commentary, says he's going to pay for this. Mankind puts the mandible claw on Midian, and that turns into a rock bottom and a, believe, do they do the double people's elbow here, I think? No, I think no. it's just rock. Oh, it's just rock, yeah. okay. So yeah. the rock pins Midian to win the tag team titles from the Undertaker and the big show. Yep. <laughs> Russo. <laughs> yeah. I think I'm not sure. I can't verify this, but Midian might be the only person in history to have won a belt without winning it with the European title. Yeah. And then also lose a belt that he never even held in the tag team titles. <laughs> See when we started this podcast, did anyone know we were gonna talk so much about how big of an impact Midian has oh on the wrestling? It's history making. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I don't know who else has ever won a belt they never they never held or held a belt they never won and lost a belt they never held either. So that's <laughs> that's crazy. So maybe somebody has in the years since, but up to this point, probably not. So, oh man, good stuff, man. So of course, yeah, they lose the tag team titles. Rock and Sob become the two time champs, and Taker is not happy, and Show is ticked as well, and Taker's new gang have a meeting on the outside and they're all upset and so later on in the show taker comes back out and uh he calls out kane and he's pacing around during his promo you know it's really intense and he's like kane enough is enough get down here somebody's leaving flat tonight so i guess that means you're gonna be knocked out on your butt so kane comes out taker says i want to do what i should have done a long time ago and then kane gets attacked by a good old vidian and big show and <laughs> mr Hunt gasoline on it. Payback. <laughs> yeah, I should have done this a long time ago. Light you on fire again for like the fifth time. So, oh, man. Lovely love right there. Uh, yeah, man. Fortunately, Mankind saves us from uh, arson. Uh, hits Undertaker and all these guys with baseball bats. Rock comes out with a baseball bat. That was the weapon of the day right there. Yes. But Undertaker slinks away unscathed. But Kane is yep. saved for the time being. So here we go, folks. SmackDown, September 23rd, 1999, episode number five. The Undertaker's final televised appearance for eight or nine months here, up until Judgment Day 2000. This is the end yeah. of the Dark Side, Dead Man era of The Undertaker officially right here. And this is also... You might remember this SmackDown as the one where Vince McMahon makes Triple H wrestle five different gimmick matches in one night. Yeah. Uh, he's going to have to face a big show in a chokeslam match, Kane in an Inferno match, Mankind in a Boiler Room match, Rock in a Brahma Bull Rope match, and Undertaker in a casket match. And Triple H has to win three out of those five in order to keep his spot in the six-pack challenge. Which, isn't that like a... Vince is a babyface at this point, and he's making his heel run through this. Like, shouldn't it be the other way around? You would you want would your babyface to run, but it does, it does tell a good story. But I'm just I'm armchair quarterback in here. But just in a perfect world, you'd have your babyface doing this kind of stuff, you know, to get um, to to overcome it. But I guess they've already they're kind of switching roles here, and Vince is kind of the babyface, and he's basically Austin, and uh, and Hunter is is Vince. So it's weird. It's true. So, yeah. yeah, it's weird. Um, so yeah, the, the chokeslam match, the big show starts immediately and big show beats him cause he chokeslams him first. And so Hunter is, uh, Oh, and one for the first of those five matches. So he is able to win the Inferno match though, because Kane hops out of the ring because 
a bloody and just the limp, dead, bloody body of yeah. X-Pac is thrown on the top of the rampway. Uh, apparently, he's been yeah. attacked by Undertaker and Vidian backstage. So Kane jumps out of the ring and onto Vidian, who run after him, but they throw his hand into the fire. So Kane loses yet another Inferno <laughs> match. Oh, and three, I believe. I know he's so bad at these. <laughs> Quit being in him. Oh, but yeah, he rushes up to X Pac and Taker leaves to the back, and so yeah, Triple H is one and one. For those keep a score. So and, that's and then we see K. Yeah, we see Kane ten and X Pac backstage, and he's hitting lockers, and he's 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 ticked off. So. And that's apparently going to be enough for The Undertaker. He thinks he's done enough here. He tells uh, the minions that he's pleased with their work. Uh, now it's time to venture off into the night. So uh, he's kind of... Undertaker, like he's, he's in the biker outfit. He's more from this cult leader into like a biker gang leader, yeah. basically having these guys do his bidding. But investigative journalist Lillian Garcia is backstage mm. at this point. It tells Undertaker, you can't leave yet. Mr. McMahon ordered you to compete tonight. And Taker says, well, no one orders me to do anything. There's not going to be a casket match here tonight. I'm done. Yeah. He's just calling his own shots here, apparently. So then, uh, of course, Vince walks up and says, you know, if you don't participate in this casket match, you're going to forfeit your spot in the six-pack challenge on Sunday. And Taker says, you know what? Maybe I won't be participating in anything around here. You deal with that. And he just walks off. So... Completely like unprovoked, nothing, no any, no reason. Why would he want to give up his spot in the six pack challenge? But yeah, I guess he just had enough, and enough's enough, and it's time for a change. So he just walks off, and that is the last we'll see of him until Judgment Day in May of two thousand. So after nine yeah. years, the initial run of the Undertaker goes out with deal with that <laughs> as he walks yeah. away here. Uh, yeah. with that. Yeah. Apparently his injuries had just become too much for him to deal with. They can't he's not healing up at the rate he wants to heal up. He's going to go away for a little while. Uh, not as long as he or, or longer than he initially expected and we'll talk about that right. here in just a second. But yeah, they're going to write him off and try to do something else, but they are just to put a bow on it. Vidian is going to take Undertaker's place in the casket match, turn into a handicap casket match against Triple H. Uh, and Cole, he says your favorite line here, buddy. He, uh, China oh, comes out to interfere. God. He says, He'll come, here comes the Calvary. Dude, you'll, you'll never not hear it now that I pointed it out to You're you. Right. You'll never not hear it. It's literally every time. It's so obnoxious. I can't stand this. <laughs> yeah, here comes the Calvary. Like, oh, no, it doesn't. So, yeah, anyway, so they, they best Triple H there. He's one and two. Triple H does beat Mankind in the Boiler Room Brawl. He's 2-2. Two and two. And then, ah, backstage, the British Bulldog gets to take Undertaker's spot in the six-pack challenge. He gets hmm. a, I guess he talks to Vince, I think it was, and he gets to take a spot. And so he's also going to be um, the referee for the Brahma Bull Road match. And he apparently decides to turn heel on Rock, and that's how Triple H wins. And so that's how this ends. And that's what I was saying earlier. I remember loving the six-pack challenge. And then once Taker got kicked out and Bulldog put it in, I was like, what? Mm, yeah. <laughs> I just wasn't as excited at that point. No no disrespect to the Bulldog, but he just wasn't the British Bulldog of, of yore, as they say. <laughs> no, he certainly was not. And this was a bit of a downgrade. But, you know, what are you going to do? Yeah. What are you going to do? So Yeah, yeah. you got to do what you got to do. Undertaker does not make it to Unforgiven 1999. We've seen the last of him right here. 
And that's it. You know, our 62 episode journey through the first nine years of his career wraps up right here. And, you know, uh, we'll try to put a bow on it here at, at the end of the episode before we get to, um, before we get, after we do the, uh, the, the video, have some things we can try to wrap up here. But he does, just to tell you, to get you to where we're going here a few weeks from now, um, Undertaker does compete in one house show match during this time as he travels oh. to Puerto Rico in December of 1999. He wrestled a tag team match, teaming up with Viscera, against Kane and the Godfather, of all people, at a Good Lord. Uh, <laughs> IWA show, I believe it was, in Puerto Rico. Yeah. A big Christmas show, December 16, 1999. Kane and Godfather ended up winning that one. Pat Patterson was the referee of all things. Um, there are some pictures of it online. I couldn't find any video of it, uh, although YouTube is down tonight. So uh, maybe there is some video I, I could never find. Um, but our follower, St. Ridley Santos, there is a promo video that Undertaker cuts on The Godfather saying he's going to destroy him and all his slimy hoes. <laughs> sounds like he's calling it in over voicemail too. It's pretty funny. Oh yeah. So, and it's all like ministry taker stuff yeah, too. Yeah. Yeah. It's weird. And apparently he further aggravated some of his injuries here. He was supposed to allegedly oh, come back okay. possibly for the Royal Rumble in 2000, but screwed things up even more. And so that's why uh, we waited for so long to get to him there. So yeah, that's the only other appearance that we see of him, uh, although it was not on screen there uh, up until 2000. Right. Well, that's neat, man. I didn't realize he did that until I saw that our, our Twitter follower put that video up there, so that was pretty cool. So, yeah, slimy hose. This is something <laughs> you don't hear. I said I love this version of Undertaker. He's great. Yeah, just a um, couple things I wanted to say before we get into that video. Um over this course of this run, Undertaker had obviously had three WWF championship reigns. Yeah. Came in with 175 days total as the champion. Had three tag team championship reigns. Uh, one with Kane, two with The Big Show, and oh, excuse me, one with Stone Cold Steve Austin, uh, and then two yeah. with The Big Show for 36 days total as a tag team champion. He competed in 22 pay-per-view main events during this time. So 22 times out of these matches that was covered, he was in the main event of the show, or the, the match that went on last at least. And winning percentage, I don't know what the percentage was, but he had 38 pay-per-view wins during this time. So better win record than loss record there. Um, yeah. So important thing to note out there. Um, we started out doing the show Focusing on the pay-per-view matches, uh, but I did want we've covered so much stuff. Uh, there are a couple things that we did kind of gloss over or miss during this run. Uh, we didn't really talk about his sort of feud with the Ultimate Warrior too much, but that right. took up a big chunk of TV time in 1991. Uh, there's some cool matches on a Coliseum Home Videos and doing body bag matches and stuff. Would have been really neat yeah. to see them do that on a pay-per-view, but obviously... Ultimate Warrior was insane, so that kind of petered out. Um, another feud that he had that never made it to pay-per-view was with the Berserker. Uh, Thank God. <laughs> there is a really interesting video uh, I'll post it on on our Twitter. Uh, they do have one match on 
superstars or something where the Berserker, like, he does a pile driver on Undertaker on the cement, pulls up the the, uh, the ring pad, tries to stab the Undertaker with his sword. Uh, it's kind of wow. like the most someone's gotten over on Undertaker at that time in uh, early uh, 92 or something during that time, but never really went anywhere wow. besides some house show stuff. And then we didn't talk too much, but Tito Santana, El Matador, was one of the yeah, first man. people to get a win, clean win over the Undertaker at a house show in Barcelona, Spain, which you can find on YouTube on October 5th, 1991. Just kind of out of nowhere, uh, rare, clean loss for the Undertaker during that time. But again, that didn't really go go anywhere either. Yeah, it didn't lead to anything. But yeah, it's those are definitely some neat... Uh, Just some footnotes. We what could have been yeah. and taken it to pay-per-view. Yeah, I mean, him and, him and Warrior could have had something special. If, you know, storyline-wise, it would have been kind of neat. Um, but we all know, even though... <laughs> Yeah, like you said, Warrior's insane, so it might not have paid off like it should have. Like with Hogan Warrior in WCW. I love the beginning of that build, but then it wound up being a turd. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <sighs> and, yeah. And the last thing I wanted to say we didn't really talk about much, but I had to mention here that back in 1993, we got to hear The Undertaker's musical debut on WrestleMania The Album as he performed the song The Man in Black on there and i have to mention that because that album that cassette tape was in very heavy rotation in my headphones (laughs) in 1993 and in my mom's car i made her listen to that tortured her with that album but she was a saint and let me listen to this stupid album with wrestlers singing and uh maybe stay tuned towards the end of this and maybe uh you might get to hear a sneak peek or a little uh just some memories of that song, if you haven't heard it in a while, folks. It is, it's a gem. Produced by Simon oh. Cowell, of all people. Are you serious? Uh, he, produ- he executive produced that 1993 Wrestle. Wow. Album. And he's on America's Got Talent, or what, whatever it's called. <laughs> the American Idol. Whew, yikes. So, yeah, man, that's, that, I remember that song. That's hilarious. I did not have it on rotation like you did, but I do remember hearing it later on. So, that's great. Great stuff, man. But um, we can uh, move ahead now, I guess, or move move ahead and go back to the past, I guess. Take our time traveling hearse back to 1994. So yeah, we talked about some rare matches that or, or feuds that that didn't quite happen. Let's talk about some matches that many of us maybe have never seen or have never seen in a long, long time. Since we don't have a pay per view match to cover, like you said, Travis, let's go back to 1994 to the Coliseum Video Archives. Home video classics on the WWE Network. You can find it on there. The Undertaker, the Face of Fear video here. And I miss uh, or incorrectly said last week that this was Undertaker's first video. Uh, This was actually his second video. I believe it was a UK exclusive uh, from what I could find online. Uh, But it was released uh, July 5th, 1994. His first video is not on the network. Maybe it will be one day. Maybe we'll cover it. One day, yeah. that one came out in 1993. Yeah, that's his greatest matches. Now, they do recycle some footage uh, and put it from that video and put it on here. But, yeah, so his first one was actually the greatest matches. But, again, it's not on the network. We can't find it right now. I'm sure it's on somewhere else. But we, we'll just we'll cover that one when we need another bonus episode. But this is hosted by Paul Bearer from, and I quote, the loading dock at the back of my funeral parlor. <laughs> What kind of a loading dock do you need? I mean, golly, you're just loading bodies. That's it. It's not. I mean, how 
how much does he need to load Dude, on and off there? So. I mean, you got bodies like Kamala and Yokozuna coming in there. It's true. You might need a dock. It's true. True. Loading dock. I just did not expect <laughs> to hear that. So, Well, he's got a collection of The Undertaker's greatest matches here. These are his greatest matches <laughs> that we're going to see. We're going to kick off with a bombshell right here. Undertaker versus Adam Bomb with Johnny Polo. Oh, man, I can't get enough Johnny Polo. I love it. He'll, his name will come up a little bit later on. I can't wait to talk about him on commentary. But, yeah, this match is filmed on September 28, 93 from the Memorial Auditorium in Worcester, Massachusetts. And it was released on this and WrestleFest 94 Coliseum video. So just a little – for those of you tape traders, tape collectors. So um, this is back in the gray gloves boot era, you know, back then before we'd gone to purple. So – Comes out led by Paul Bear in the urn, which we have not seen in our timeline in a long time. In a long time. time. <laughs> Dude, what are you? Uh, what are your feelings on Adam Bomb? Man, I I like uh, Brian Clark as a person. Like, I, I mean, not as a person, I never met him, but as a character, I loved Wrath. I loved the Wrath gimmick. You know, I love um, I loved him in Chronic. Yeah, I don't know about Adam Bomb. I wasn't watching as much in this point. You know, my early this part of the my career. I wasn't watching as much then, but um, he definitely has a presence about him. And uh, honestly, I, I mean, it's a shame he didn't get more over. I guess you could say, but this was kind of in that cartoony, you know, era, you know, of of gimmicks. So. Oh yeah, for sure. But you know, I always it, it seemed like they really invested a lot into that gimmick, almost. To Undertaker levels here, it's kind of kind of parallel yeah. gimmicks, uh, sort of in, in a lot of senses. It felt like Adam Bomb could have been the next Undertaker in a lot of ways. I always wondered why he didn't quite get pushed to the moon, but I guess it goes into what we talked about so many times on this podcast. Undertaker is special, you know. He yeah. had the he had the it factor. He had something there mm-hmm. that so many other people couldn't pull off, and. I was just thinking, watching this match, you know, that <laughs> only watched it for two minutes because that's all it lasted. Right, dude. Undertaker. Maybe if the roles had been reversed, maybe we'd be doing an Adam Bomb podcast right now. If, if the Undertaker <laughs> had the yes, Adam man. Bomb gimmick, could he have made that work in the same way that he's made the Undertaker gimmick work? And I think he probably could have. Probably could, man. It's crazy to think about, though. But yeah, what if, like, you know, just little what ifs. You know, what if Undertaker had been given to Brian? Clark, you know, like would it still be around? So, but uh, yeah, man, it's it's great stuff. Um, I love the little kids in the front row with the Undertaker hats and the shirts yeah. on. It's so so great because again, he's he's, he's debuted as a heel, has turned babyface on I believe it was Jake Roberts and in, uh, in February of '92, and so now he's 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 a good over babyface here. And so, of course, as most of these matches back in this this these years began, Adam Bomb attacks from behind just like everyone else did um and he he does something interesting here he throws taker out through the middle in the top rope and taker does not land on his feet which um we had always seen at this point but again this is no pay-per-view match it's just a special coliseum video match so yeah uh rare (laughs) not a perfect 10 from the undertaker yeah here um and really there's not much to it here adam bomb gets the early heat i guess and then taker comes back with a comeback Hits a choke slam, kind of out of nowhere, and gets the pin yep. right there. No tombstone, just a choke slam uh, after two minutes. And then Johnny Polo hops in the ring, tries to nail Undertaker with his cane, and Undertaker gives him a choke slam 
for good measure. Undertaker wants to do more, but Paul Bearer holds him back. And yeah, just remember that here. Undertaker with his first one of the night with a choke slam. No tombstone. Yep. No tombstone. No tombstone. He he kind of took a lot of punishment here because, like I said, that like you said, that choke slam came out of nowhere. Um, but he still looked good, looked strong. You know, Adam Bomb doesn't look terrible. You know, losing to Undertaker. Um, so yeah, kept them both strong, I guess you could say. So that brings us to our our next match. We got Undertaker versus Batman Bigelow. This is also from the Memorial Auditorium in Worcester, Massachusetts. But this is filmed on May fourth, ninety three. So a couple months after that one, we just we just um, cut. And this is the one that's also from the my the greatest matches mm-hmm. one because there's this pre recorded promo beforehand with Undertaker in the graveyard, and he's like, "Welcome." my gravest matches the action buried in this tape bears a heavy price a price which i will extract from each and every one of you in your darkest hour a heavy price indeed dude that that just gave me nightmares hearing that promo (laughs) he's gonna extract a price from us for watching this video yeah not a nice thing to do to your fans dude no i'd I'd take it out push eject (laughs) i don't know did we mention uh, the last match had uh the wonderful team of stan lane and gorilla monsoon on commentary uh this match has JR and Gorilla Monsoon on commentary. Yeah. Uh, a little bit of an improvement there. Uh, and you and I both noticed something here. Is you, you mentioned the hats and T-shirts in the last match. There are so many Undertaker foam urns in the crowd ah, for this match. Yes. God, dude, I wish I would have had one of those. They need to put that on WWE eBay now, or they should remake those. Uh, those would sell. I looked them up on eBay as I was watching this match, and there was one on sale, and it was in. It was for fifty dollars, but it looked like my dog ate it. It was in, <laughs> all of the words had been scratched off of it. It looked yeah. terrible, man. Uh, but I would kill uh, for one of those things right now. Who would you kill? Um, maybe. Uh, <laughs> uh, Don't answer that. Stanley. Don't answer that. <laughs> well, I think I think this might be you do it. Um, <laughs> He's still alive. Oh well, aim small, miss small. Yeah, uh, live by the dirt. Gets uh, <coughs> by the shovel, baby. Sorry, I'm coughing. I'm dying here. You said you'd kill somebody for that. So um, I want that urn. <laughs> oh, Bam Bam comes out first. Follow, and then Taker comes out with Paul Bear in the urn. Um, man, I love Bam Bam Bigelow, and seeing him here, I just it's astonishing. Remember how much, how long he lasted in the business too, man. Like he was around forever. So um, uh, he and, and Taker go nose to nose, and then Bigelow gets some right hands, and Taker fires Brack, fires Brack, fires back. Excuse me, easy for me to say. And then Taker stops Bigelow with a drop toe hold, which I thought was interesting to see at this point in his career. So yeah, didn't see him bust out some stuff we didn't really see back then. Yeah, man. I mean, this was fun. It was five minutes or so. Uh, I would kill for a Bam Bam Bigelow of this era versus Undertaker 97, 98 era. Oh, that yeah, would be dude. give them 15 minutes, maybe 12 minutes or something like that. They'd oh, have yeah. a heck of a match right there. Oh, Bam Bam can work, dude. He's one of those big guys that can work, man. Oh, yeah. Just like Vader when he's motivated, you know? Super underrated. Good stuff, man. Uh, yeah. 
Taker goes for a diving clothesline, but Bam Bam ducks. Uh, Bam Bam tosses him around on the outside, gets in some offense, but Undertaker keeps sitting up due to the power of the urn. Man, it was good to see that being used. Yep. Uh, yeah, it was. <laughs> uh, oddly enough here, Tatanka is going to come in uh, to try to make the save for the Undertaker. He had a feud going on with Bam Bam Bigelow at this time, and he chops Bam Bam and attacks Bam Bam on the outside, and the referee is staring right at it and doesn't seem to care. Yeah, and even JR says that. He's like, why didn't that, why wasn't that DQ? <laughs> so, as, yeah, thanks for throwing him under the bus, but yeah, he didn't get... I have no idea why, but Taker basically hits a choke slam and pins with a classic pin for and five minutes and 20, 42 seconds. So, And then Gorilla on commentary is like, there should be an asterisk by that win due to to Tonka's interference. So, um, who knows? Yeah, let's put the asterisk right there. We'll do it officially on this podcast. <laughs> All right. There uh, you go. We cut back to Paul Bear at the funeral loading dock. Sometimes I just can't find the words to describe him. Deadly, maybe. <laughs> what he comes up with to describe the man that he spends his entire life with, but there you go. Yeah. Uh, and that's exactly. going to lead to a rare match against Yokozuna. Going back here, we covered a couple of those matches, the casket matches from Rumble 94 and Survivor Series 94. This is going to predate those by yes. nearly a year. Yeah, this is from March 8th, 93, from the Civic Center in North Charleston, South Carolina. It's actually at a Superstars taping, but they filmed this just for Coliseum Home Video. So um, pretty cool. I tried to do a little digging here just to give you guys, you know, at home uh, context for where these matches are coming from. Because they they obviously don't say them on the matches themselves. I had to go look them up. So anyway. Yeah, you can tell it's early in Yoko's run because Mr. Fuji still has hair at this point. He's got a buzz cut on, uh, so that was kind of weird. And he's doing the full entrance that he used to do there at the beginning with the Geisha girls presenting him flowers and doing the ceremonial salt toss, all that sort of stuff. Yokozuna is announced at 505 pounds, and JR says, you know, if that boy is 505 pounds, then I'm a Boston attorney, and I can't even spell attorney. And you can tell from my accent, I'm not from Boston. So, <laughs> no, no subtlety. Not a bit. Thanks for explaining no. it all, Jake. <laughs> so, is he saying he's more than 505 or yeah. less than 505? He's saying he's bigger I'm than just that. Yeah, I'm just kidding. Yeah. I got it. So, um, got it. But JR yeah. goes on to prophesy that Yokozuna will one day be carrying the gold in the near future, which right. I thought was kind of neat. So, yeah. Because he's right. <laughs> About what, a year later? No. Well, no, just a couple weeks later. Just a couple weeks later. Mm-hmm. Yeah, excuse me. Um. And JR and Gorilla are just riffing here. Man, they talk about Undertaker being associated with the long-gone brother love. And Gorilla says, well, that surely yeah. didn't endear him to a lot of people. Uh, they, uh, <laughs> yeah, they're, they're just having fun. You can tell this is just, you know, uh, casual Friday or whatever. I don't know when they recorded oh, these commentary yeah. tracks, but... Probably had Day a drinking Friday. few six-packs open, yep. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just goofing yeah. off. Yeah, he's announced from Death Valley, and Gorilla's like, well, where else would you expect him to be from, Sheboygan? <laughs> Which, that's, if anybody listens to Chris Jericho's podcast, that's his go-to. Anytime he says anything that's off the beaten path, it's always Sheboygan. He always says Sheboygan, no matter what he's talking about. So, it's Maybe just weird how everyone... Gorilla. Maybe, Maybe he did. Maybe he did. So, But they're good. 
man. Bill Alfonso's the ref. Freaking A, man. <laughs> what a, oh, he, needs a, he needs that whistle in his mouth. So, yeah, it's not the same without that. Uh, not the same. Um, so there's not too much to talk about with this match either. It's four minutes. Uh, there's, you know, the sumo stuff and the salt throw and then Taker and, and Yoko go nose to nose in the middle and then Taker hits like a what I just wrote, or no, excuse me, Yokozuna hits what I just compared to E Honda Palm Strike from uh, <laughs> from Street Fighter, which he looks like E Honda anyway. I always sure. thought of him as E Honda, and he does like the the Palm Strike, and then uh, Taker reverses an Irish Whip into a DDT, which um, is always fun to see, and then gets that perfect ten landing because Yoko clotheslines him over the top rope, and then. Mr. Fuji reverts his, diverts his attention as Yoko slams his head into the steps. And then Gorilla asks a question that I would like to ask. He's like, where is Paul Bear in all this? Yeah, so. seriously. What was the deal with that? No, I don't mean he's out there, but he's not doing anything. No, yeah. And then, yeah. And they get back in the ring, and Yoko does, like, the butt splash, and then a body slam and a leg drop, and then Taker sits up, and then Yoko hits a belly to belly. And then Gorilla asks another question I wanted to ask, which is, why doesn't he cover him? <laughs> <laughs> well, he can't put him away. Undertaker sits up. Uh, Yoko finally grabs his salt bucket, hits Undertaker in the head with it uh, to get Undertaker the win here by DQ. Uh, after, like you said, about four minutes, Yoko drags Undertaker to the corner to hit the bonsai drop again, and uh, Undertaker sits up to avoid it. Um, and then Undertaker gives a... I will say it in quotations, chokeslam to Yokozuna. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yokozuna barely gets off his feet here, but that sends yeah. him and Fuji stumbling away. Really, they it's just, just a tease to bigger and better things. I think Vince could already tell at this point he could see money in this match. And it is. It's sure. going to headline a few pay-per-views. It's going to be uh, a big... Selling point, you know, we can de- we debated on here whether those were good matches or not, but definitely a lot of nostalgia for me. This was peak of my wrestling fandom. I would say is like ninety four to ninety six, and I I just love seeing Yokozuna. Man, he's not the best heel yeah. of all time, but to me, he's probably my favorite heel of all time. He's the one I grew up on. He's the one I saw as just the most intimidating, awe inspiring guy. And Yokozuna is a huge reason why I. Love wrestling as much as I do, so always fun to see him out there. That takes us to the next match on the tape, which is um, Kamala versus Undertaker in the first ever coffin match, which we've covered on this on episode seven of Talking right. Taker. Here we get like a recap of their SummerSlam '92, and then what happened three weeks later when you know he's freaking out about it. Things so we're not going to cover necessarily all of that, but it's just you know, kudos to both men for for Kamala for being in character and playing that you know you know that jungle savage that's afraid of stuff and take her for giving going all in on this coffin match you know and it's just it's a short five minute match and we've already like i said we've already covered it but take yeah. wins it so that was the big thing we pointed out on that episode uh or two episodes we got one match with kamala on here two yeah in our archives you can go back on early on to see those but these guys had so much commitment to their characters and that's uh, what you can enjoy out of that so that's going to bring us to our main event for the tape our main event for the night how we're going to close things out here undertaker versus crush the evil heel crush with mr fuji the real main event though is our commentary team take it away 
Oh, man, yes. This is uh, November 30th, 93 from Springfield Civic Center in Springfield, Massachusetts. So out of the five matches we got, three of them from Massachusetts. This is on a wrestling challenge taping. They filmed it afterwards. So anyway, we got commentary team, which is a freaking delight to my ears, man. It is Gorilla Monsoon and Johnny Polo, who, for those of you who don't know Johnny Polo, he will become Raven. You know, everyone knows. So, And I just cannot – I cannot – overstate how much i love johnny polo on commentary he has been sadly missing from our lives and i had no idea so oh man they were so excellent good. They, they this was clearly uh three or four drinks in for both of these yeah he's recording this commentary track polo keeps calling the undertaker the underwear taker uh he's real proud of that line <laughs> <laughs> and uh calls yeah. pat bear a pasty face tub of goo <laughs> yeah, like multiple times blatantly <laughs> fat shaming Paul Bear man yeah. feel sorry for uh, the guy but it, it it cracked me up and then did you see the kid in the audience that has the Undertaker placemat uh, so no. good <laughs> dude that. he has an Undertaker <laughs> placemat and even Polo's like what's the point of that and he's like you know it's a place where you you know you eat your food on it it's the Undertaker what? so it is so good man Incredible. but here comes here comes just probably the best thing i've heard in a long time so <laughs> let me run through this here so gorilla goes we'll talk about guys with agility and then polo cuts him off and it's like paul bear because <laughs> <laughs> like, if anybody if you've ever listened to raven he can't he can't stand and not get his comments in there and he still had that back in johnny polo days. i didn't realize he had it back then he can't let a comment go without interjecting so um and then polo says all these things about himself and he's, he says that he's omnipotent well gorilla thinks he says he's in, he's impotent do you consider yourself johnny polo a broadcast journalist i consider myself a jack of all trades a master of none right? stop it gorilla i'm the master look i'm a successful wrestler a successful manager a successful broadcast journalist well as a broadcast journalist would you like to enlighten all our coliseum home video fans as to what is inside the urn? It's none of their business. I'd like to know. Would it's you? none of your beeswax either. Do you either. know? You don't I know, know, do you? I do know. I know everything. You don't know. I'm omnipotent. You don't have a clue. I'm omniscient, omnipotent, and more importantly... You're, you're impotent? Is that no. what you said? Oh. I'm om- omnipotent. I thought you said you were impotent. Well, no, that's why I was wearing a tuxedo the other day. Because if you're going to be impotent, you better look impotent. I oh legitimately had to pause oh, the tape because I was laughing so hard at that line. Oh, <laughs> man. It just came off the top of his head. Dude, it rolled off his tongue. Like, he did not have that, like, written down. He, he just, golly, he's so fast. He's, did you say impotent? No, I see, that's why I had talks. If you're going to be impotent, you better look impotent. <laughs> you got to look impotent. <laughs> I just got, man, it's so good that he came up with that out of nowhere, man. It's just... That's the best thing I've heard in I, weeks. We so gotta good. use that and the punt card line, in, just in the future and just in general life. We want to use both oh, of those sure. lines going forward. Absolutely, yeah. I uh, absolutely will. I I promise to. So the commentary is the highlight of this. Going back, the match itself is fine. It, it, you know, well, okay, <laughs> not great. Certainly, uh, it is. Yeah. Um, we see the rope walk from the Undertaker, Crush ducks a clothesline, super kicks Undertaker 
to the outside as Polo and Gorilla argue over whether it was a reverse thrust kick or a reverse crescent kick, uh, which is something I've <laughs> yeah. always never been too sure of either. Um, yeah. <laughs> Crush uses a padded chair on the outside while our referee, Bill Alfonso, is distracted by Fuji and Bearer and uh, <laughs> the commentary is saying, where, where did he get his fishing license? In a Cracker Jack box? Oh, man, they were just <laughs> yeah. riffing through this whole match. It was so much They're fun. They're great, man. They're awesome, man. And they, a little bit earlier than that, too, Crush attacks Tegger from behind. And Polo says, from behind, the best way to do it, Gorilla. Which, if anybody of you know Raven and his out-of-the-ring escapades, that was definitely an X-rated shoot comment. So it was, ugh, yeah. But, yeah, man, they were just all over the place. Like you said, they probably had several six-packs this day when they were recording this. And they are three sheets to the win. And it is hilarious for us. So, um, and then one thing I do want to say, too, that Johnny Polo said, he says that the best way to beat Taker is to cover him immediately since it takes him like three to four seconds to set up anyway. <laughs> what an astute observation. That's a great strategy, man. That's great. He's like, and then you can have a ref do a quick count and you win. So it's like, yeah, he's right, though. It takes Taker like four seconds to set up, so just cover him immediately. You get the three count. So. Yeah. Oh, he's so great, man. Uh, Crush actually gets a ton of offense here. He hits yeah. the backbreaker. And then he does, you know, I always loved when I was a kid, especially Crush doing that over-the-head military press slam where he just kind of keeps oh, yeah. bench pressing the guy over his head. Impressive. Crush actually did that to Undertaker here. Got him up over his head and then, you know, pressed him up three or four times, which was – that's probably the biggest guy I've ever seen him do that to. And pretty crazy that Undertaker let him do that. Well, yeah, that's what I was going to say is like I, in in real life, these guys are friends, you know, and so, you know, I, I don't know if he's part of that BS gay with him or whatever, but I, I, guess, I guess he is. But, um, you know, at this point, I don't think, you know, Taker has quite the clout that he will have in years to come. But you can tell that you know, he's he's pretty protective of his gimmick. But um, the fact that he let him do this to him goes to show the respect he has for Brian Clark here, um, in my opinion. That's just me guessing because they are you know friends in real life so it was really impressive to see that so that's not going to be it. enough though because crush is going to try his own tombstone but undertaker is going to reverse it and <laughs> after four matches on a undertaker tape we're finally yeah. going to see our first tombstone <laughs> yeah. in match number five that was and it's a reversal yeah <laughs> Only chunk slams up to this point, which is really, yeah. really strange. But Undertaker does get a tombstone to close us out right. Does his classic arms folded pin to win the match here after about seven minutes. Undertaker tries to go after uh, Fuji and Crush again, but Paul Bear pulls him back. And that's going to wrap it up for us here. I would like to thank you for joining me. Until we meet again, well, and yeah that's it man we're gonna bury the dead man right here put some you know put some uh, some uh dirt on that six foot grave i guess and uh bury him down you know he's right off into the sunset as steve austin says so yeah this this tape was worth checking out for the commentary on that last match alone oh absolutely man. yeah <laughs> fast forward to that just enjoy uh, that uh what a great way to go out on here uh yeah but we're not quite done yet we got one more thing for you folks we have been doing this for so long, and uh, we wanted to kind of share, maybe debate real quick, talk about what our top 10 matches of this 
Undertaker run were. So we both looked back over the whole run, analyzed it, tried to pick out what our favorites were. And we have not shared those with each other yet. We don't know what they're going to be. Nope. Um, how do you want to do it? You want, you want me to do mine? You want, me, you want to do yours? You want to go back and forth? What, what, what should we do here? We'll just alternate. Let's just alternate tens all the way up to ones, I guess. You want to do that? All right. I'll give my number 10. You give your 10. Does that all make right. sense? I mean, we'll, we'll probably have some of the same ones, but we'll see how we rank them. So. Okay. All right. So this is Travis's top 10 talk and taker matches so far. Um, 62. So I got my number 10 is episode three, Survivor Series 91 versus Hulk Hogan, his first wow. ever WWF title win. And wow. yeah. Okay. Well, here's why. Just because, you know, it really wasn't that great of a match, but just as far as seeing him only one year in win that title and just taking it, you know, Hogan took a bad tombstone, but seeing Hogan lay down for him, you know, what it's going to lead to, I just, I don't know, I, it was really fun to, to go back and revisit that, and I think that's my that's my number 10 match of this, this era. Interesting. I did not expect that one uh, from you on your list. Very cool there. Uh, for me, uh, uh, definitely, I mean, that one's definitely historically important. That one did not crack my top 10. I'll go ahead and tell you. Yeah. So, we finding out now we don't have the exact same top 10. Interesting. <laughs> anyway, nope. Uh, my number from, 10 from, from the get go. <laughs> <laughs> coming in at number 10 for me was the Buried Alive match versus Mankind from October 1996 in your house, Buried Alive. And I would not have expected that when we started this podcast. I did not remember right. liking that one as much. But, dude, that match told a great story. It was so physical. It was so much fun. The you know the ending of it was a kind of a train wreck with them, sure. all the heels coming out and all the gaga there at the end. But I really, really enjoyed that match and enjoyed his feud with Mankind very much. So that one came in at number 10 for me, Buried Alive. Well, yeah, that match, that's where he jumps to the outside from the top rope, yeah. I think. Taker yeah. does, and he just, I have no, I, yeah, I have no clue how Mankind walks today from this, just based on this match alone. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so, um, well, we'll see that on my list. Mine's a little higher than yours. Okay. Uh, but, uh, yeah, so my number nine is um, from our episode 40. That's In Your House, Ground Zero, 97. It was uh -huh. Taker versus Sean. So, I love that match. Um, it does have that. It's got that ending where Taker jumps over the yeah the the shooting cow press or whatever. <laughs> he jumps over onto everybody, and that's that that's my number nine here. So just that match, it had a kind of a schmaz ending, if I believe, um, or DQ or something like that. But just uh, that match was they have incredible chemistry. I love those two together. Um, I wish we had more of it. Oh, me too. Um, yeah, good I, stuff. I love that match as well. Uh, yeah. Number nine for me, though, is Capital Carnage, 1998, the Fatal Four-Way, the UK pay-per-view, Undertaker versus Kane versus Mankind versus Austin. Uh, I think that one, you know, maybe not would make a lot of people's top ten, but for me, it was so unexpectedly fun. And I think I even talked you into enjoying it. Maybe you didn't enjoy you did, it at yeah. first watching it, but I kind of talked you into it. And yeah, that one snuck under the radar for me. Uh, so I, I had to put it in there. It was one of the most fun matches, one of the biggest surprises I had doing this podcast. So I had to get it in the top 10 there at number nine. Well, that one was, that one was my 
other top 10, like my number 10. It was between that and Hogan um, mm, okay. that I had. And yeah. I had to just scratch that one because you're right. At first, I really I had to be talked in and enjoying it. You know, I didn't really enjoy it that much. Once I saw your side of it and what you talked me into it, I, I really did enjoy that match. But I still think Hogan beats it out for me. But, um, yeah, I can't say that's bad. I, I agree. That's a good match. So um, number eight for me would be episode 27. We got In Your House 11, Buried Alive. So there you go. Okay. I, I just ranked mine a little bit higher than you, than you did. So, yeah, we don't need to discuss that one again. So Number eight for me was I went back into the early years here with <laughs> WrestleMania 8, Undertaker versus Jake the Snake Roberts. I believe that was well, episode well, five well. for us. I yeah. Again, I think I've referenced this match quite a bit on here. It's only about five minutes. They yeah. only do maybe three or four wrestling moves in this match. But the presence of these guys and the story that they tell with limited action, but just with their true, with their actions themselves and their characters, I thought it was an incredible piece of work. And I, and I really enjoyed it. Uh, and so that one made my top ten. Well, there you go, man. Well, I, yeah, that is a great one. I didn't. I just completely overlooked that. Honestly, that's not on mine at all. Okay. So. Okay. It is good. Um, my number seven is going to be our episode twenty-one, which is WrestleMania twelve, Taker versus Diesel. Ah, yeah. I love this match. Yeah. I have no idea. I remember just. I remember saying that this was a one-off, man. Like we wish. I remember we was both saying we wish we saw more of this stuff because it was just. It was fun, man. These two big guys that can actually. Uh, work a little bit. I mean, Diesel's a little more limited than Taker's, but I just, I really enjoyed the heck out of this way more. Maybe I enjoyed it more than I thought I was, so I just remembered fond memories of this match as I got it ranked at number seven. That's cool, man. That one did not make my list, but it was right at the periphery. Really? It's right, like, hmm, okay. maybe 13, 12, 11, somewhere okay. in that range. It was it was in contention, but uh, yeah, it, it didn't quite make it in there for me, but I did enjoy that. Yeah, I'm okay with that call on yours. Uh, number seven for me is my first appearance of Bret Hart on this top ten, a SummerSlam 97 uh, versus Bret Hart. Really loved the chemistry that these guys had. I thought all three of their matches were incredible. Um, I will say not all three made my top ten, but two of them did. And the first one is SummerSlam 1997. Very interesting there, dude, because two of theirs make mine as well. Mm -hmm. But um, that brings me to my number six, which is Royal Rumble 96, Brett versus Taker for the title. Oh. So, yeah, I have – so you – okay. Well, all right. Well, so, <laughs> all right. Well, I, yeah, I won't spoil anything. But see, yeah, I got Royal Rumble ranked here at six. And Fair enough. Spo spoiler alert, the summer segment will come a little bit later on. So I, I, I guess I put it a little bit higher regard than – than you did here so uh, interesting but uh, yeah you can't really go you can mix and match all three of their matches yes. we covered yes they're pretty good it's 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 nitpicking as far as which one's better so um yeah that's a i i got i can't disagree with you there it's a great match and like i said that leads me to my number six which is episode 20 royal rumble 96 him versus brett so yeah that yeah. was a real coming out party for undertaker right <laughs> yeah there, he wrestled him. yeah see that very very cool match Number six for me was Royal Rumble 1998, the casket match against Shawn Michaels. I've got that in there. Undertaker and Shawn Michaels' feud is incredible. Some of the best yes. matches Undertaker ever had. So many memorable moments in there. I thought that was a great way to close things out. It was maybe my favorite feud that we got to see during this run mm -hmm. uh, was stuff with Undertaker and Shawn Michaels. They just had such intensity with each other, such chemistry with each other. So I've got the casket match in there at number six. 
Wow, that doesn't even crack mine, man. Wow. That's, okay. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, interesting. but yeah, I can't disagree with that, man. I, that's th- that one was up up there. It was going back. That those number nine, ten spots were that one was on there. I will tell you that. But I had okay. to I had to cut several off to make sure. But um, yep. Uh, there are some other ones I just had, Sean, and I. I Honestly, you could have the top ten to be just Sean and Brett matches with Taker. Honestly, if you yeah, you know, so it's hard. Um, but yeah, that's that's good stuff, man. That's, a, that's that is a great match, and that match was better than I remember when we went back and covered it. It so was. Yeah. It was a fun match. So, yeah. um, well, that's my number five. We're hitting the top five territory here, which is episode forty-seven, King of the Ring ninety-eight, Taker vs. Mankind for the most infamous Hell in a Cell of all time. Mm. So. Again, basically a squash match as we recorded, as we talked about. We did the watch along, um, but I think just you know, just for the the iconicness of it, you know, whatever that word is, I'm missing there. But the, just just how infamous and, and famous this match is, I, I had to put that in my top five. So I'm gonna piss a lot of people off here of our listeners. That match not in my top ten. All right, dude, I understand. It's. <laughs> incredible spectacle and i like i'm not disrespecting anybody that loves it or thinks it's their favorite undertaker match to me going back and watching it of course the spots are incredible and amazing mm-hmm. but i think we talked about it on there for for me it's that's all it is like it, once they yep, get in the ring true. it's it's basically an undertaker squash and i guess mm-hmm. the guy who can't who <laughs> can barely function it's <laughs> about uh, to die and, you know it I don't know, man. Uh, from it, it just doesn't. It's not my favorite. I love parts about it, but it just I couldn't put it in there. It's not one yeah. of my favorite Undertaker matches. So uh, yeah. uh, I, I wasn't sure if you were going to put it in there or not. So that's interesting. Number five. Uh, number five for me. You mentioned it already. Ground Zero versus Shawn Michaels. Yeah. Two Shawn Michaels matches in a row for me, right there. That's uh, you know such a cool angle such a cool fight with those guys that spot with undertaker jumping over the top at the end the whole story with them beating up all the referees yeah oh man one of the most fun matches we got to cover here on this show oh yeah i just and i don't think i'd ever seen it before we covered it too. it was just so good man i loved it so um good stuff yeah well my number four man is episode 61 from the SummerSlam 99 we just covered it last week wow. man take big show versus kane xbox whoa I got it at number four, dude. Number four. It was so fun. And maybe it's because it's fresh in my mind. I don't know. If I went and did this in 10 weeks, I might not have it ranked that high. But, dude, I love that match. Wow. That's the first one that it. shocked me. It did, it's a 12-minute sprint. It's dude. It fun. was awesome. There was nonstop action. It's probably nonstop in my top action. 15. It did not crack my top 10. But, wow, yeah. that's high. Um, yeah. Number four for me is my second appearance of Mankind. Or third, I guess he was in that fatal four-way. So, uh, King of the Ring 96 versus Mankind. That's the one, you know, okay. some people, yep. and you included, you want King of the Ring 98, Hell in a Cell, you want to go back and rewatch that? I want to rewatch 96 versus Mankind. Their first match with each other, chemistry was it's off the charts. One. Really, really enjoyed that one. So that's number four for me. Yeah, just impeccable chemistry from Jump Street. It's ridiculous, so... So good, man. All right, um, top three. Let's, all right, man. Top three. My number three match is episode 39 from the SummerSlam 97, Taker uh-huh. vs. Bret Hart for the title. 
like you said, just one of the best finishes in history of any match I've ever seen in my entire life. Yes. I cannot yes. cannot put over the finish that match. Again, the technical aspect is great. I think you could interchange, like I said, any of these Brett Taker matches. But this one is up there as the best for me just because that finish is just beautiful. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. So it's my, my number three, number, man. My number three also involves Bret Hart, but I'm going to go with One Night Only versus Bret Hart from Ooh, 1997. Yeah. I thought that was their best match. I thought it played off their other stuff. Yes, SummerSlam has the better finish. World Rumble is cool because it, like I said, it's Undertaker's coming out party, but I thought just they had so much time on one night only. And they did. It's got a weak finish, that's for sure, but I enjoy that match. That was that weird DQ yeah, weird type DQ, thing. Yeah. But I love that match the most out of their trio. And I... I'm going to be shocked if we don't have the same top two here. I don't know what order they're going to be <laughs> I in, think we do. But I, I feel like we've got to have the same top two here. We've got two glaring emissions that we I know we both love. And so I think that my number two is episode episode 32, In Your House, Final Four. Mm-hmm. Taker, Vader, Austin, Brett. Is that what you got to? That's my number two. Yep. All right. Yep. There, I, I had a feeling our top two or three would be the same. So, um, yeah, man. I can't put that match over enough. That is the most bonkers four way I've ever seen. It's so good. Talk about nonstop action. Everything meant something. It's strong style. It's great, dude. Great stuff. I couldn't put it as number one. I, I nope. had it at number one for a second, but I'm like, oh, it's just not you know, Undertaker gets eliminated halfway through yeah. it. He's not there. Uh at the you know, it's just yeah, it, it's it's awesome. It, it's incredible. It I, is. I encourage everybody to go check it out. Uh and it's it, it it's it's top ten, top two for me, but I think yep. you know number one has to be number one. Number one, so why don't you go ahead and say it then, since you didn't get to say your number two, since I stole that thunder. That's so number right. one is the same for both of us. It is Undertaker versus Giant Gonzalez at SummerSlam <laughs> night. <laughs> no, of course, Bad Blood, Undertaker, yep. Shawn Michaels, Hell in a Cell. The best, still to this day, Hell in a Cell match. The peak of their yep. feud. Incredible storytelling. All the blood, all the spots, the debut of Kane, everything. Kane. <laughs> Just, I mean, the best. The, the best table match bump nobody talks the about. The table bump. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's just, it's, it's still one of my favorite matches. It goes back and forth between what else I don't know, but that one's always up there for my favorite matches of all time. I, I just love that match. It's so good. Yeah, it had to be number one. It was de facto. That one was no debate about. That was number one. Everything from two to ten was debated, and I sat and went back and forth. But um, uh, I think it's great that our number one's the same. Everything else, I'm I'm honestly shocked at how different ours were. Me too. Um, yeah. Honestly, too. yeah, it's really it's funny how different they were. But yeah, number one is number one. And uh, if you disagree, I got two words for you. I'm just kidding. <laughs> well, here's what we'll do. We'll put both of our lists up online on our social media pages at Talking Taker, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. We'll let you guys vote uh, and let us know who you think had the better top 10. And I've also got up online, I have got a spreadsheet uh, with, or it's a poll with all 60 of these pay-per-view matches that we've covered on here. And we're gonna let you, the Talking Taker followers, vote. So you can go on our Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram Sweet. at Talking Taker. You can vote for your 10 favorite matches on there. Sweet. And we'll compile the numbers. We'll see what the fans 
of The Undertaker besides us, the fellow creatures of the night. We'll see what you guys vote as his top 10 matches, and we'll give those out to you on next week's show. So we've got our top 10. You let us know which one of us had the better top 10, and you, and you can let us know what your top 10 is there uh, on that uh, poll. We want to hear from you guys because you guys are a huge part of this. You're, you're why we've been doing this. You've been along for the ride. We love each and every one of you, all of you out there listening. Uh, Shout-outs to a few people this week. At Aaron Curtis 426 uh, who uh, was talking about, like, we just asked for some of your favorite moments and memories over this run, and he pointed out SummerSlam 98. Man, that was a peak. That was a huge part of this run against yeah. Stone Cold Steve Austin, some of the best promos we ever saw. And I want to give a shout-out to a fellow podcast out there. They are the, the Bottom Line Podcast. Speaking of Stone Cold Steve Austin, they are at Bottom Line Cast on Twitter. They are doing something similar to what we're doing just with Stone Cold Steve Austin, kind of going month oh, by cool. month through his career. They done uh, in the middle of 1996 with him and his WWE run so check them out if you want an alternate perspective to kind of what we're doing uh, shout out as well to the Heel Town podcast who is undertaking quite the measure of trying to go through every yeah. pay-per-view major show ever I don't know how they'll ever do that but God bless them Godspeed to those guys um, at Mongo underscore ebooks who's always being supportive to us and craving more Taker Talk so uh, we Gave you over two hours of it right here, folks. So hope you enjoy all of that. And sorry, or you're welcome, whichever one. Yeah, man. The, <laughs> we got to close out with a bang. We got to cover all this yeah. stuff. We've had fun with it, man. Do any other anything else you want to do to put a bow on it or put on Undertaker's gravestone here? Any other last uh, well, eulogies you want to say one, towards the end of this? Yeah, I'd like to say one. That's just to Paul Bear, the unsung hero of the Undertaker's rise to prominence. I mean, I, we mentioned it a long time ago. We didn't realize the. We both appreciate him more now. You know, looking back twenty years later, like I loved him then, but now I really see how much he added to it. And on the outside, on the mic, holding his stuff, being the Paul Bear for his things, whatever. You know, like it's just we can't. We couldn't. We wouldn't have an Undertaker born for Paul Bear. I mean, he's part of the package, you know. So, and in the current timeline we're in, he's disappeared. So, <laughs> see what happens to him. <laughs> no, you're right, man. That's one of the biggest things I've taken away from this. Is yeah, we've got a huge appreciation of the Undertaker, and I think we've seen that the dude could work. Like the myth is that he became a great yeah. worker around the time of, you know, the Biker Taker, right? Some matches uh, that he had during then. That's when he really started working. Nah, he was no. Like we said, going against Bret Hart, going against Shawn Michaels, he had some of his most incredible matches during this run. But Paul Bear, such an integral part of things, such an incredible manager, yeah. performer, a promo, did so much more than just carry the urn and the belts around and make faces. Oh, yeah. Especially during that heel run, he did an incredible <laughs> yeah. job selling the character of Kane and making him a legend as well. So uh, we oh, will yeah. miss covering him as much still going to cover him a few times here going forward but we will definitely miss him going forward but we are going to go forward we're going to trade out the time travel on hearse for a time travel and motorcycle next week <laughs> as we skip ahead to to king of the ring 2000 we'll cover judgment day 2000 with the undertaker's return with a new look right a new gimmick and all that and all of the build to a <sighs> A six-man tag match at King of the Ring 2000. 
Uh, that's what we're coming back to. So we'll have quite a bit to say about that. As we cover the year 2000, some matches with Kurt Angle that we get to cover. Uh, I believe another match with Kane. Yet again, a really fun, another six-pack challenge here inside a Hell in a Cell that we're going to get to cover. Oh, yeah. Uh, a lot of new faces, a lot of changes going forward in the year 2000. We can't wait. We know a lot of you can't wait. It's one of the biggest things we heard when we started this podcast was yeah. people could not wait till we get to Biker Taker. So we hope you're still listening. And if you haven't tuned in yet, or if you know people that love that Biker Taker character, let them know. Next Friday, we're kicking off that run through 2000 through 2003. It's going to be quite a ride. It will be. And thank you guys for being there with us this whole time. Like I said, we're not going anywhere. Just this character is. So we're closing this volume closing this chapter bury the dead man rise up again like a phoenix from the ashes on a motorcycle so we'll see you guys next week and uh if you were there at any of these nights if you were there uh, at any of these matches on this tape we just covered let us know other than that ladies and gentlemen take her easy